welcome to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for Spider-Man Homecoming. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian <laughs> Murtowski. Uh, it's actually Penis Murtowski. <laughs> and with a Spider-Man Homecoming tagline, looking forward to these, Kelly Wan. Homecoming not included. <laughs> Makes no sense. No sense. That was, there's one that I once again I don't understand the first tagline, so let's skip it. Go to the next one. He, he goes to homecoming and then he leaves instantly. There's no yeah. It's included in the movie. So Dingus got the joke, so you're stupid. That's where I see it. <laughs> Dingus had been confused. I would have felt responsible. He was like, "Oh yeah, good one." Or well, give me one for me that I would understand. All right, one for your zone. Uh, it's like Birdman, the joys of dumbness, but with a different Gwen Stacy. Way too much like wow. too much going on, too busy. That's too a lot of that's a lot of lore. Too much. Yeah, uh, you get something else for me. Finally, a movie about a teenager with a fat friend. <laughs> that's closer. That's good. That's not quite the Goldilocks zone, but adjacent to the Goldilocks zone for me. It's Goldilocks not- zone adjacent, Kelly Wand. Very good. I'll take it. I, I have two more. Oh, good, backup. good. Let's see if you can get a little closer. You're in the middle. Goal. You're in the uh, Eastern Roads part. Uh, not how spiders actually fight. <laughs> that one got. That one's worth a minor chuckle. That's usually all I'm aiming for, Tom. All right, well, then this last one's gravy. What do you got for us? He gets more brown sugar than De Niro. Oh, too, too soon. <laughs> you think I should have, that you never ask Kelly Wan for one last stab <laughs> at something. Just, just cut him off before he gets to the end, and you'll be what better. What are you talking off. about? And you called it gravy, Tom. So you're just as bad. That's brown too. Let's have Dingus tell the listeners what movie we saw without spoiling things, like Kelly Wan has done, by the way. Dingus, what's what did we see this week? What did I spoiled? Several things. Uh, that's a good point. All right. What did we see? <laughs> yeah, let's recap what you spoiled. That's a great idea. Can't remember. No, he goes to a homecoming, so way to ruin that. Yeah, see? You don't know that from the title. This week we saw Spider-Man colon Homecoming, a 2017 American action adventure science fiction superhero Marvel Cinematic Universe double reboot movie about... How with a great power suit comes very little responsibility. It, it was <laughs> See, Kelly Wan, why can't you do that for a tagline? See what he did? That one was right there, right in the Goldilocks zone. Just right in the sweet baseball spot, as they say I in think sports. I, I try too hard. <laughs> Put it too was, many ingredients in. Too much nutmeg. It was directed by John Watts. Hmm, really? With screenplay credit to the following teams. Uh-oh. Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, John Watson, Christopher Ford, lots of Johns, Christopher uh, Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. Those are the three teams that worked lots on it. Chest. Based on Marvel comic book by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Uh, oh God! Very good. It stars Tom Holland, Marissa Tomei. Oh. <laughs> Did you? I thought you were going to wait for that for Marissa Tomei. I got it mixed up. I was thinking of her while you were saying. <laughs> I think we all were. Related, they're um, related, obviously. Zendaya. Oh. Jacob Batalon. Uh, the fat one. Yeah. 
Uh, Tony Revolori. The other fat one? No, Tony Revolori played Flash. He was in uh-huh. um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, right. I didn't know that was his name. Very good. Thank That's you. a fun name, actually. It is. It's fun, to, it's fun to say Tony Revolori, especially knowing he played a character named Zero and Flash now. <laughs> the actor name is better than the character name. Bokeem Woodbine, which is also fun to say. Mm. Um, and Martin Starr. Oh, I like him. I like him a lot, yeah. Talented. Uh, uh, Spider-Man colon Homecoming is rated PG-13 mm-hmm. for sci-fi action violence, <laughs> some language, sci-fi. and brief suggestive comments. Uh, what? It's <laughs> the last line? Is that Was that the brief suggestive comment? Hmm. I guess. All right. <laughs> It could Wait. be relating to Kelly Wan's tagline. Oh, all right. Very good. Kelly Wan, do you think they missed anything, the MPAA, as far as warning parents whether or not they should bring their children to see Spider-Man Homecoming? I judge this movie acceptable only for three-year-olds and the dead. <laughs> wow. No one else should be allowed in. That's actually a pretty massive audience when you think about it. Like the number yeah, of people that's that true. that includes. Yeah, that's, that's a larger audience than any other movie I can, can imagine. Certainly any movie for the living, yeah. I mean, crap! If, if you could market a if you could market a movie for the dead, that would be awesome. By the way, George Romero died today, and no. Martin Landau. Speaking what? of the dead, I am so cool. bummed about Martin Landau. I didn't know either of those. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's. let's He's let's, old. All right. Though. That's that's sad. Did people ever say that in a eulogy? Well, he was old, so. No, well, they they will say you know he died before his time, and they won't say that about Martin Landau or George Romero. They both had uh, rich careers that we can enjoy they presumably lived long full lives uh, so we don't get to say they died before their time i'm sure the first part's true but i think even when i'm 90 i'll be going wait what that's it <laughs> i'm not gonna feel like i lived a, i lived a full life because <laughs> i'm only smart enough now for things never mind all right what spider-man let's do it yeah okay well real quick uh, america did it they Spent $117 million seeing Spider-Man this, this weekend, or uh, last weekend it opened. Well, the weekend it opened, because so we're recording this a little late, because Kelly's in Germany. Uh, yeah, and they don't sorry. believe in, in Spider-Man opening the same time as the rest of the world. It was so, not ready yet. On its opening weekend, uh, $117 million did very, very well for Sony. Uh, Metacritic gives it... Oh, right, okay. Metacritic gives it... Apes, seven, though. 73 which is uh, on a scale of 1 to 100 from various uh-huh. reviews. On Rotten Tomatoes, the uh-huh. percentage of reviews that are positive, not quite as high as Baby Driver, but it's at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Baby Driver, I think, is at 95%, which is just proof that reviewers are idiots. You Speaking hate Baby Driver. I really do. I loathe I wouldn't say I hate it. I'd say I loathe it. Ooh, loathe wow. Baby Driver. Yeah. Loathe That's impressive. Wow. Uh, i got to see it now. Idiots who went to see Spider-Man on Friday night and then walked out of the theater and had a little ballot shoved into their hands by pollsters and were like, oh, uh, I don't know what to do. And were asked to tear a letter grade from A to F. Those idiots, they did what idiots always do in these cases and just gave it an A pretty much. Mm. Sometimes it'll get an A minus. But yeah, they just went, uh, well, yeah, you know, I came and saw this opening night. I was entertained. A. 
So Spider-Man. Maybe Homecoming, they think they're grading themselves. At A on Cinema. <laughs> I, I believe Dingus and I have seen the little slip, uh, and I believe it specifies the movie you just saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're pretty clear about that. As long as the idiot can read, he will correctly uh, be judging the movie and not himself. They did make it out of the theater, though. That is true. Right. If anybody who's still in a theater didn't get to choose a cinema score. Then their grade shouldn't count. You're right. too dumb. Right. If you're still trapped in there. It's a pretty now, rigid system, if you think about it. Kelly, I want to now spoil the events of Spider-Man Homecoming with a Spidopsis Homecomopsis. That's, <laughs> that's what I would call a synopsis. Spider-Man Homecoming. I like it. Whatever yeah. you just said. Yeah. What was it? Say it again. Uh, I forget. Spidopsis Homecomopsis. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. I think you added a couple knops there, but that's fine. Yeah. A little extra syllables never hurt anyone. You're just rebooting it. like. Re- yeah. Very good. You got it. Uh, whatever Tom said. Some riffling comic book pages vomit up the Marvel and Sony logos so that they spell out the word Snorval. The S is a dollar sign. We cut to Michael Keaton and some of his black friends moving boxes of props from the Avengers into other boxes. In my theater, a German guy in coveralls stenciled Stefan's furniture movers stands up and goes, Finally something for us! (laughs) Boxes moving. Reboot! A guy tries to use a crowbar to pry some CG from an alien bicycle chain. Keaton's all, nah, man, you gotta use that stuff. He picks up a crowbar that says made by the aliens from Avengers on it and pries out some purple (laughs) CG. An old woman comes in and goes, you're all fired. One guy's all, that lady, uh, that's how old Aunt May is in the comics. (laughs) (laughs) And the vulture. Keaton's all, oh, really? Uh, That's pretty interesting. He punches him. The old lady loses interest and leaves. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he was a good villain. Oh, whoa. Keaton looks at the boxes of plastic trash and goes, hey, uh, you know what? I could make uh, gigantic green wings out of this shit with jet engines in them. No one cares, so some words are all eight years later. (laughs) Some different boxes of trash clatter down a conveyor belt. Keaton's black friends all, damn, Keaton, I was in Fargo season two. A white, bald, tough man named the Shocker walks in and goes, hey, guys, look what I can do. Keaton raises a prop and turns him into ash. He turns to his black friend and goes, damn. I meant to somehow kill him with uh, anti-gravity. Anyway, uh, since I just arbitrarily killed the shocker, now uh, you get to live with the possibility that I could turn on you at some point. So pick up that glove and go around electrocuting some random shit. It's important to my plans. The black guy's all cool. Some words are all Spider-Man Homecoming, a film by Peter Parker. Peter uses his phone to make videos of buildings he's going past in the backseat of a car. He's all... Well, storefronts. I mean, uh, Marvel and Sony present. Fabro's driving. He's all, hey, fuckstick, you're not allowed to film buildings. Oh, sorry, Happy Gilmore. Wow, nine movies into the franchise. You're still just Iron Man's limo driver? Can't he just use robots for that? 
Favreau is all. This isn't a limo. He raises the partition. Peter annoys everybody. As the action set piece of his illegal student film, Peter positions his phone on a luggage carousel so it's facing the sky, walks off screen towards the Avengers, and goes, Hi, I'm the third Spider-Man. Which side am I on? (laughs) That's how I said it when I was younger. This is the only footage of the Civil War he uses. In his whole film, Sofia Coppola leans over to me and goes, good, I don't think it's right my young female fans should know what civil wars are. <laughs> That's for Tom. There are a few out-of-focus shots of Favreau in his hotel room trying to Cosby Peter. Then Iron Man gets into a uh, car with oh, 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 my oh. God, what just happened? <laughs> what? <laughs> I had the dialogue turned down in the theater for that part. Sorry. <laughs> Iron Man gets into a car with Peter, hands him a bag, and goes... Here, I made you some clothes with empty web shooters. Now, don't do anything fun. Also, you're not an Avenger. I'll call you if I'm going to be in another cameo. To celebrate Iron Man not liking him, Peter returns to his bedroom where his fat Asian friend, Chunk, is putting the finishing touches on his Lego Jar Jar. (laughs) Chunk looks up to see Peter coming through the bedroom window, ass first, naked, except for his mask. The Jar Jar slides out of his nerveless free hand and smashes to pieces. He's all. I was going to do that anyway, but seeing your penis is still startling. <laughs> it's the fat girl from Beguile, but. Decided <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that voice. <laughs> it's really mean. Peter's all. Boy, I sure hope this is the last time I forget people can see me when I'm inside my home. Wait, you just hang out in my bedroom while I'm out of town? By the way, we're not invited to a party tomorrow night at one of the black girls' houses. Marissa Tomei knocks on the door and goes, Peter, Chunk, you guys aren't masturbating to me again, are you? Peter's all. Uh, no, Aunt May. Uh, uh, just pictures of your character from the comics. Chunk's all. What's your relation to her again? Beside me, Dingus stands up, pumps his fist, and goes, Niece! <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's not... But, yeah, that's... Yeah. you. Uh... Fake news. <laughs> the next day, an annoying kid's math class, Chunk looks over at Peter and goes, What if a radioactive crab pinched me? Does watching the fly make you hungry? Is your theme and sticky also? Are the Andrew Garfield ones still canon? Spiders and octopi have eight arms, but you only have two arms, and Dr. Octopus only has six arms. What's up with that? Lunch, he's all. Other than the bolter, who's your lamest enemy? The owl or the lizard? How do you get unstuck to stuff? Can you just turn it off? If Marissa Tomei's your aunt, who was your Uncle Ben? Joe Pesci? If you're still in high school, aren't you Spider Boy? If you bit a radioactive spider and then it bit me, would that work? How come there are no plaid superheroes? If Vader's Luke's father, wouldn't he have known where Owen and Aunt Beru lived in episode four? <laughs> On Illithilian's Island, why didn't they just eat the skipper? Later in gym class. Is Griffin Dunn still a ghost in 40 days and 40 nights? Would Forrest Gump have just been as good as shrimp if the black guy had lived? Would that guy powder an engineer from Prometheus? Would David Thulis Wonder Woman's dad? Why do you have a British accent if he was Greek? <laughs> 
school bully points at them and goes, hey, guys, look, Peter's friend's Asian. Everybody points and laughs at Peter, including the gym teacher. Since the bully's Iranian, his name's Flash Thompson. (laughs) Sony solved the Akira problem. The gym teacher turns on TV. (laughs) Captain America's all. Hi, I'm Captain America. Gym class can be a frightening, confusing experience, especially if you suddenly start menstruating or get diarrhea. That's why it's always important to wipe front to back, which my good friend, your gym teacher, the gym teacher standing to the left of the TV takes a bow while Cap gestures off to the right. We'll now demonstrate for an hour and a half. There's a montage of Peter basically wasting time as Spider-Man. He steals rides on trains, sets off a car alarm, gets Stanley laid, and gives an old lady street directions to a theater playing Wonder Woman. <laughs> I had the sound down for that part. That night, in a sequence this reviewer found admirable for its old school reliance on practical effects, Peter goes to an ATM and fights the Avengers. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this dialogue of that scene was weird, by the way. But anyway, you act like you didn't know him. He loses, then lets the bad guys get away so he can carry a bored cat and a sleeping Mexican out of a building that just got cut in half by fire lasers. (laughs) That night, Peter walks into Zendaya's party to instantly tell her he has to leave, then goes somewhere and watches some guys moving boxes all labeled CG into a car. Well, those guys I put a spider tracer on are doing a CG arms deal. Oh. Take that, Thor Ragnarok. Hello, Peter. I'm your spider suit's female voice. I'm not in the comics, but Sony felt we needed at least one scene in the movie between you and a girl character just so no one got the wrong idea about you and Chunk. Would you like to kill these arms dealers? Tony added that option to me for fun. What? No, I, I, I just web people and hope cops find them. And take pictures from my newspaper? Was that retconned? Uh. One of the criminals is all, Hey, look, it's a kid asking himself questions. Run! Peter chases their car, but the vulture shows up and drops Peter into a lake. As Peter sinks, he's all, Sit, lady, help. I was just in the sky with my key. No problem, Peter. Here. She makes a parachute shoot out of the costume's butthole. It entangles him, and he starts drowning faster. She's all, By the way, I'm not waterproof. Suddenly, Iron Man shows up, dives into the water, and sets Peter on a rock. He shakes his iron head and goes, First, you almost ruined my ATM robbery with Hulk and Thor earlier. Now you're drowning? It's fucking Michael Keaton. His only power is flight. Well, since you're already in the movie, maybe we can take him down together. Iron Man, Spider-Man. Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> I'm at a pool party in Pakistan right now. Just one second, Zamfir. The robot Tony sent to lift Peter out of water gives Peter the middle finger, flies off, and explodes. Peter sighs disconsolately. His cell phone rings. He's all, yeah. Dude, it's the best party I've been to since gym class. Listen. Hey, everybody, I'm not just DJing this party. I'm Flash Thompson. (laughs) My people usually cast as terrorist movies, but since this is a kid's movie, I'm just a bully. Penis Parker. Penis Parker. I had no idea Flash was this talented. I still don't. Oh, well, at least my last name doesn't sound like a source of pleasure. Everybody say penis farter. Penis farter. <laughs> hey, Pete, I got to go. I have a good feeling about the third verse. 
Peter sighs and hangs up. Suddenly he realizes he's stuck in a giant underground bunker full of boxes. He's all, <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. Later, his suit's all. Instead of blowing off Zendaya's parties constantly, Peter, you should focus more on doing that to her panties. Yeah, thanks, suit lady, but I think I know what I'm doing. How long have we been in here? A year and a half. <laughs> Let's do that web tutorial now. Wait, I thought I made the webbing in chemistry class. How, could you, how do you know more about it than me? You have 869 different web styles, sticky, non-stick, and 867 other ones you won't use in this movie. Oh, do I still have spider sense in this? The suit shrugs his shoulders for him. Meanwhile, <laughs> Gilfoyle from Silicon Valley is a teacher. <laughs> He's all... Good news, Disney Channel performers playing teenagers in this. The Mathlete finals are today at the Washington Monument. Come on. One of the Zendayas is all. What about Peter? Is he dead? Why doesn't his aunt care where he is ever or call the school? Because Peter's Spider-Man. I'm mad about you. He's the favorite. The bus drives off, smothering him in exhaust. <laughs> Later at the Washington <laughs> Monument. And the answer is... Circumference? <laughs> uh, we haven't actually asked any questions yet, but that is correct. Uh, congratulations, students of wherever Spider-Man goes to high school. <laughs> uh, we forgot to make trophies due to a math error, so your prize is an elevator ride up to the top of the monument. There aren't any windows up there, by the way. Have fun. Meanwhile, the vulture flies around. He's all. <laughs> Monuments. What have they ever done for the skyline? Plus, my daughter's at the top of it right now, doing something math-related. Hmm. He shoots lasers at the monument until the top starts to crumble and slide off. Inside, the kids at the elevator all scream as it lurches and then starts to fall. Guilt foils all. Don't worry, we were going down anyway. <laughs> Suddenly, Spider-Man shows up and starts crawling up the outside of the Washington monument while police helicopters ignore him. When he reaches the top part where it kind of curves, he's all, man, this view's awesome. Boy, I wonder how it is if I turn away from the monument. Oh, God. <laughs> Holy shit. I haven't been up this high since last night when I was fighting the vulture. <laughs> the woman in suits all, Peter, relax. You're in a movie called Spider-Man. Uh, for some reason, Homecoming? Uh, but maybe that last part's reference to me hitting the earth after falling to my death. Yeah, I think it's more for the same reason Alien was called Covenant. Inside, the kids scream as their elevator keeps falling. Oh, yeah, that math thing. I blew offs today. Good thing I came up here randomly. He goes inside and holds elevator cables till the kids all climb out, which I guess they couldn't before. Zendaya's all, thanks, Spider-Man. I didn't want to die that way. Drowning's my preference. He lets go of the cable, then for some reason falls into the shaft after it and somehow survives. A spinning newspaper headlines all, Spider-Man kills 30 cops and paramedics at bottom of elevator shaft. Some smaller column one words are all, vultures seen flying again. That night at home. Hey, are you sure it's possible that we're able to be hacking your spider suit like this? Like Tony Stark's a robotics genius and you don't even know how car alarms work. Spidey totally tweezes the old <laughs> microchip out of the otherwise rubber latex suit and goes, there we are. Marissa Tomazel, shouldn't you be doing all this when I'm not in the room? Peter and Chunk take turns, rolling their eyes at her. Nag, nag, nag. Suit ladies all, uh, you just removed my AC. 
Ten uneventful minutes of screen time later. All right, Vulture, the jig is up. I may have been dumb and ill-prepared for that last CG arms deal, but this time we're on a crowded ferry filled with innocent civilians, so I don't really see any way you could distract here. I mean, Vulture. (laughs) (laughs) Vulture shoots a laser that cuts the ferry in half. People scream and wave goodbye to each other as the boat halves separate. Vulture's all, ah, was my daughter on board? No? Ah, well. He flies off again. Peter shoots webs to try and fix the boat, then stops as the suit lady goes, okay, looks like you're done. Nice work, Peter. You were to put it humorously, 96% successful. The boat starts coming apart while everybody screams and waves goodbye again. Two kids on opposite halves play with a stretch Armstrong giggling. All the people that got cut in half by the laser are dragged tastefully off screen. (laughs) The suit lady's all. I guess it would have been more helpful and shorter for me to just say, shoot one more web over on that strut by your face, huh? <laughs> Don't worry, folks. I had the strength of a spider. Uh, poisoned with radiation. Uh. He tries to hold the fairy together by stretching out his arms and grunting with irritation. Suddenly, Iron Man shows up again and pushes the boat back together by using rivets or something, then solders it back together. All the people clap and help the dead people solder soldered back together clap or just hold up their severed hands and thumbs ups slow clapping extras all hooray for just iron man and the vulture <laughs> iron man flies fighting to the statue of liberty and goes you tried to save those people and almost squelched an arms deal you're the worst give me that suit back i'll hang on to it till another spider bites some more deserving kid <laughs> peter's all but After a few minutes of awkward silence, they agree that Tony's won the argument, and Peter returns to sipping around town in his lame old suit. He made himself out of toilet paper rolls and garbage bags. (laughs) Next day at school. Hey, Zendaya. Sorry I blew up your party and the mathlete finals and farted in your locker this morning. I thought there might be another arms deal going on in there. Speaking of which, you want to go to homecoming with me? She's all sure. As he walks away from her, he secretly smiles at her stupidity. That night, Marissa teaches... Peter some stripper moves she learned while shooting the fighter. <laughs> the <laughs> fighter? <laughs> Is that what it's called? <laughs> Sorry, a Wait, wrestler. He's wrestler. The wrestler. Damn it. <laughs> Alright, it's a good joke. I said it? Not you, not you, not you. Shit. Alright, she learned stripper moves of the wrestler. That was uh, Amy Adams who learned stripper moves in the other one. <laughs> Then she's all, okay, now show me how you French. No, with your mouth, Jesus. That night after Peter rings a doorbell, hi, Zendaya, you look amazing. Here's this corsage for you. Uh, Pete, it's me, Michael Keaton, standing in front of you. <laughs> you retarded? Wait, what? Yeah, the, the, she's got a pair of chocolatey. Wait, I mean, wait, Zendaya didn't notice her dad's been flying around with green CG wings for eight years? I mean, uh, I'm Spider-Man. I mean, not Zendaya. I mean, <laughs> since Keaton's eight years of heist have netted him nothing cash-wise, he can't afford a chauffeur and has to drive his daughter and her dorky friend to homecoming. On the way, hey, kid, you all right? Yeah, you look like you just shit your pants and fired it at the same time. Oh, Daddy, that's how Pete always looks when he's with me. It's why I love him so. So, Mr. Keaton, uh, uh, you play birds in a lot of your films? <laughs> <laughs> Keaton eyes him suspiciously. Yeah, uh, I play a lot of psychos too. What's your point? Oh, nothing. (laughs) 
Oh, hey, uh, Keaton, you, uh, that's a guy, shut up. Hey, Keaton, uh, couldn't help noticing your uh, personalized license plate says uh, Green CG Rocks. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, so, I like Ninja Turtles, the William Defoe villain in the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, the Reese Siffins Lizard guy in the first Garfield one, and the Angley Hulk, the Poodle one, what? They're all good. Oh, nothing, nothing. Zendaya's all, I'm so glad you two like each other. I was expecting weird vibes, because Dad's so overprotective and Peter treats me like garbage. But all I'm picking up on right now is nothing at all. That's my character trait. They park nowhere near the school. Zendaya opens the door. Uh, yeah. Honey, you get out and go into the dance by yourself there and stand around awkwardly for half an hour. I want to have the dad talk with Peter here. Don't worry, it's just about uh, condoms. Yeah, that's it. She's all, okay, lets herself out. She walks around until she hears dance music coming from a gym and hopes it's the right one. <laughs> Listen, Peter, uh, I want what's best for my little Goyle. In this case, uh, finding out her date for homecoming was murdered by her old man. Now get out of here. Show my filly a good time. You better put out. Lumley Peter walks into the dance. Chunk's all, hey, Pete, help. I just fell in the punch bowl. Not now, Tubby. He finds Zendaya and stares at her knobs. She's all, Peter, I just want you to know it means a lot to me that you asked me to this dance. After blowing me off for the whole movie, I really feel like my character's just, you know, finally getting a chance to spread her metaphorical wings. I gotta go. He goes outside <laughs> and tricks the black guy from Fargo by Chunk showing up off screen and suddenly knowing how web shoots work. <laughs> Leaving them to explain shit to the cops, Peter goes to meet Vulture in a giant garage, like most of the other sets in the movie. Okay, Keaton, you may have outsmarted me in the car earlier, and the ferry, and that other car when you threw me in the lake, but this time... The Vulture buries Peter under 80 tons of rubble and flies off to hijack a plane at Tony Stark CG. Peter tricks the rubble into getting off his back by crying like Pavarotti. And somehow gets on the plane, Vulture's on, and fights Keaton's CG to the usual Marvel standoff till the plane crashes. Keaton hovers over him and goes, this is for my daughter. Her mother's irrelevant. He puts a button in the suit that does something unspecific. Peter's all, wait, I want to save you, and makes Keaton get out of his Vulture suit and hang out near the wreckage. <laughs> till the plane burns out. out. Celebrate. Iron Man takes Peter to a building with marketing logos all over it and goes, Peter, you almost crashed a plane into hundreds of people instead of the thousands that it did kill. Every bit of cargo on my plane, it's ruined, and you barely managed to beat an old man without superpowers. Welcome to the Avengers. Thanks, Mr. Man, but I came all this way just to tell you I don't want you to be in any more movies with me. <laughs> my franchise is pretty overpopulated already. I've got Chunk and Flash Thompson. Bye! He runs home. <laughs> In his bedroom, paper bag on his bed reads, What's inside this is for you. I'm really glad we don't have to work together after all. Sony, your ex-colleague, Iron Man. The bag's empty, so Peter just puts his Spider-Man costume on and leaves his door open in his usual hope that Tomei will walk in on him, dude. <laughs> just before he puts on the mask, Tomei does walk in behind him and goes, Hey, Peter, I just had beans for dinner. Now I can't stop... Smashed you a corporate logo with web on it. While cartoons play, some words tell me the names of everybody at Sony who got hacked by North Korea back when we had the
Mm, now I'm almost bummed there's a little more, but all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be funny if they hacked the credits. Like, oh, gotcha. When these are done, Captain America stares at us. He's all, hi, I'm Captain America. You know, Easter eggs are an important source of protein and also a fun way to teach kids that Jesus was killed by Italians. Yans looks off camera and goes, fuck, are there any more of these? A PA's all, yeah, actually, stand by. Uh, Pascal just took a meeting with Fox. It goes, well, uh, next movie, Spidey can turn down membership in the X-Men and Fantastic Four also. <laughs> <laughs> the nerds around me bray excitedly. The end. Oh, thank you so much, Kelly Wan. Uh, that was wow. A that was a that pure better pleasure. Than I thought. Thank you. I thought it was going to suck. All right, well, Dingus, what did you think of Spider-Man Homecoming? What's a movie that's slightly better than it and a movie that's not quite as good? Um, unfortunately, um, I got lazy on this. This is the, usually the hardest part of the show for me. Uh, but uh, I had the experience of watching the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire today. Mm-hmm. And I really freaking love that movie, as it turns out. Um, I had a really great time watching it today. So I'm going to make that my over, but it's not bracketed because I really, uh, I don't like this movie. Um, it's one of the, it's really, you know, at first while I was watching it, uh, I really wanted to like it because I like Tom Holland so much. Um, and I just felt while I was watching it, well, this is just minor Marvel and that's fine because of my sort of this idea of the Marvel cinematic universe as being this huge, expansive epic novel. And each one of these things is a chapter and this could be a minor chapter. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I don't like it. Uh, so un- under it, I would put the amazing Spider-Man all due respect to Kelly Wand who put it on his top 10 list. Um, <laughs> but Wait, the that's, original, your under? that's my under. Yeah. Is it the Starfield one? Yes. Stop calling okay, it the that, Garfield one because I keep thinking of a cat whenever you say that. Uh, I yeah, think of the president when you too. say that. I think of oh, uh, uh, Garfield's cute and self-centered. Yeah, and so is the cat. Um, uh, so yeah, I would put the original Spider-Man way over it because uh, I think it has so much more going for it in so many ways. Um, and I was really disappointed with this. Although I think there's there's stuff to recommend in it. Um, I have to say, overall, I don't care for it. All right, Kelly Wand, what's this movie slightly better, a movie that's not quite as good? What's your overall takeaway on uh, Spider-Man Homecoming? Uh, well, my original over-under was movies about Michael Keaton trying to kill someone, so my over was Mr. <laughs> Mom. And my Wait, what? what? Who's he trying to kill in Mr. <laughs> Mom? Did you say Pacific Heights as well? Oh, Pacific yeah. Heights is so great. Pacific Heights. <laughs> It's, isn't Baldwin in that? Or who's the other dude? It's Modine, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Sorry, I get those two mixed up. Uh, I think it's Matthew Modine. I'm pretty sure. It's one where they they have uh, they rent a room to a guy who totally yeah he's nuts it's, yeah he's nuts and and they can't get him out. It's like a single white female with a landlord, or <laughs> something that ro- hand the rocks the cradle with a landlord, or. Mm. Is my, Michael Keaton's the crazy guy? Like he's playing yeah. his normal psycho thing? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I think I like Dingus's over and under more. Like my under is probably Amazing Spider-Man t- as well. And then, but my over is Spider-Man 2. And I was a Spider-Man 2 detractor when it came out. Um, oh, really? 
Yeah, I thought it was. Um, I didn't like the ending, and I thought it was boring. And I thought it was way too serious. And I liked Spider Man Three, but then I kept thinking of that while I was watching this. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I kept thinking of the fact that you that you in particular like Spider Man Three while I was watching this movie. Yeah, I'm well. It, it, this is kind of dumb, but as Ken Levine convinced me that Spider Man Two is better <laughs> because he's he turns down everything to keep being Spider Man in it. And that's actually a good point. Like, and I think here's the thing: I think Tom Holland is a way better Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire. But I really like the Doc Ock fight in the Sam Raimi one. Like, I think Sam Raimi is a way better action director. And I really didn't like the action in this movie at all. But I thought the jokes were funny. And I think Tom Holland's a good Spider-Man. But as a, as a movie, there's a lot of fucking just comic book bullshit in this that I'm just really weary of. And I like Spider-Man as a character. But the action in this is pretty much on a par with Wonder Woman. So I didn't put Wonder Woman above this actually, and that would probably be my better over. Oof. So, but there's there's some cute jokes, like the Captain America stuff's funny, and it, it there's, um, I don't know, like I wish would they gone whole hog on that and just gone done a Jump Street Spider Man instead of like half and half. Because <laughs> the fight on the plane and the Vulture sucks. The Vulture, by the way, is one of the least. He's a he's a super in the comics. He's a super villain that Spidey's always mocking because he's an old man who's bald who actually looks like a vulture. And all he does is fly, and Spider's just constantly ripping on him. He's like, you, you're just like the word. You're so stupid, vulture. Ah. He just mocks him mercilessly. So it was kind of. I was sort of looking forward to that. I think maybe a little bit. And the fact that it was also too, Digus, you just saw for Spider-Man in that one. There's that whole Thanksgiving thing sequence mm-hmm. with where Green Goblin, and that's extremely similar, I think, to the third act of this movie with Michael Keaton. Like that seemed kind of like they're ripping themselves off a little bit. Little, yeah. Um, yeah. But I did like that there wasn't an origin story. I was, I was glad this was the first movie to kind of jettison that. Like that's that what I figured. Yeah, I just figured that. both of you were going to say that. That's a that's a, a good idea, um, but I don't know. I people seem to like this movie more than I do. It's just but the last two Spider movies were so wretched that I think the bar is a little lower. Um, so it's okay. It's there's I laughed a few times, but I laughed more during the beguiled. So that's not even comedy. All right. Well, so this will work. Good. All right, that's all. Also work because we've we've got a pretty even spread. Because oh my god, I was so not interested in going to this, but I was absolutely tickled with this thing. I was delighted by it. This this is right nudged up against the Avengers, as far as I'm concerned, for how to really do a, a, a superhero movie that's just this just having fun and not trying to be any super important message that's just kind of buoyant. Uh, you know, Logan and Dark Knight are amazing for what they do. Not all superhero movies need to be that. Instead, some superhero movies can be this. And I loved so many things about this. Chiefly, Tom Holland. The mm-hmm. moment he was on screen, the guy is just so freaking likable. And I have been waiting since, I don't know when The Impossible came out, 2011 or something. But I've been waiting forever for this guy to finally get his due. And he did. This movie, this must be what it, it's like to watch Wonder Woman and think Gal Gadot is, Gal Gadot is good. To really be into her. This also must be, I I can imagine, this must be what it feels like for you guys, because you both really like those Captain America movies, which didn't do a lot for me. This this is how that must feel. I was so delighted to discover that. Um, So my over and under, uh, and I'm so excited that we all seem to be completely different 
uh, area. Things are in different corners. Kelly, one, you're right in the middle. So this should As be usual. interesting. Uh, my over and under are movies like this where an actor I really like finally gets his due after a promising debut and then not a lot. Uh, so that was one of my, my favorite things about this is this little kid who was amazing in The Impossible. He then did a couple of things that uh, – you know, he's still good, but they don't really take advantage of what he can do. This young adult post-apocalypse thing called uh, Where I Live. He was a voice in Locke. He was just in a, a – and actually, uh, the thriller isn't good, but the cast is good. A thriller called Edge of Winter with uh, Joel Kinnaman. He was just in that. But this is Tom Holland at his best. This is what this guy does on screen. And good Lord, I'm just delighted he's making a million dollars from it. So – or however much he's making, that he's making – that he's cashing in. So my overs and unders are movies like that where I see an actor and I'm like, wow, this person's really good. And then I have to wait. And then finally a movie comes along that gives that actor his or her due. So my under is, uh, and this is a weird over and under, uh, but it just made me think of this. Uh, my under is a movie called Night Moves, which Kelly Reichert directed a couple of years ago. It was one of my favorite movies from that year. And it was kind of an anti-thriller. Kelly Reichert does very oddly, differently paced movies. She's a, a very particular sort of pacing and vision um almost like gus van sant but interesting uh so night moves start it, it's jesse eisenberg being really really good and i love jesse eisenberg when he was this little kid in roger dodger and especially in uh noah greenberg's uh noah bombach's squid oh, and the right. whale um this he was great then i was like wow this guy is great and then we get stuff like 30 minutes and less uh zombie land which is fine uh adventure land education of charlie banks even social network and eh, whatever and then along comes Night Moves, and this kid's become a serious actor. Nobody saw Night Moves, and Dingus did, but his, his performance in Night Moves is amazing. And Night Moves has the talented fanning in it, uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, so Night Moves is my under. I like this better than Night Moves because Night Moves is kind of an anti-thriller. This is just a straight-up great cinematic action movie. Uh, over this, better than this, uh, Haley Steinfeld was amazing in True Grit, and then she does things like Pitch Perfect 2. <laughs> Ender's Game. Uh, uh, three Days to Kill. She's fine in that. They don't give her much to do. Uh, she's in a weird Kristen Wiig vehicle called Hate Ship, Love Ship. But then finally, this amazing movie that you ding-dongs haven't seen called Edge of Seventeen comes out. And it's like, it's yes, that's the Haley Steinfeld that I wanted to see. That's the little girl from True Grit. Finally, a movie understands her. So I liked Edge of Seventeen, which is just amazing, slightly better than this uh, Night Moves. I mean, they're all very different kinds of movies, but uh, I, I'm just uh, ass over tea kettle for this thing, as they would say. See, it's the same thing where if you like the performances, you love the movie. And then I'll I, – like Tom Holland for me, he's like how Hugh Jackman was when he first came as Wolverine. Like I love him as Spider-Man, but I, it's an action movie. I didn't like the action. In. So I will say it's not just that, Kelly Wan, because I, I, I freely grant you if – if the performance doesn't, because I hate Baby Driver because I think it's the best directed Edgar Wright movie that he's done. This guy's really coming into himself, and he does. I mean, it's kind of silly to say he's been doing this for a while. He's very successful, but he does. He has a unique take to Baby Driver, and I really appreciated what he wanted to do with it. It's almost like a quasi musical at times. Uh, it is, you know, what at times it's a straight up musical. But I hated the two lead actors in it, so there was yes. no way I was going to enjoy Baby Driver. So for me, that uh, is a fundamental thing. Is so it's I, true. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing, though. It's not I'm just right. that for uh, for Spider-Man Spider Homecoming. Uh, because I think one of the things going into Spider-Man Homecoming that I just didn't I, – I, uh, the director, John Watts, did Cop Car, which is a movie that uh, I love. 
cop car is amazing. And I didn't think there was any way that, you know, here's a a successful little indie movie. Sony hires him so he'll do what they say because that's how these big blockbusters are going these days, whether it's Colin Trevorrow with Jurassic World, the guys who did the Captain America movies. That's kind of how you do it. You get some young indie director who's not going to defy your expectations for your product, and he does what you say. So I didn't expect to see any of Cop Car in Spider-Man Homecoming, but I think I did at time, from time to time see it with the humor. The, uh, the, what, I think the kid's name wasn't Chunk. He had a name. Dingus, do we know what this is? Gary. His Con- yeah. No, his name Gary. was Ned. Ned. Oh, Ned. Oh, right, right, right. How, how hard is that to remember? Right. Ned. Uh, I loved the banter between the two of them. And Ned asking those those questions once he knows that Peter Parker's Spider-Man <laughs> reminded me a lot of the banter between the kids in Cop Car. And the dynamic, too, Ugh. of kids finding powerful toys and not quite knowing what to do with them. They played with that in this as well. And that was a, a, a dynamic in Cop Car. Uh, so it, specifically the sense of humor, the tone – the pacing and the lead performance. Those four things I just thought were fantastic in this. And just well, that, I had a great time watching it. So you're right. Action. I need a great actor. The action I was fine with because it wasn't. Yeah, right. I mean, the action was just, hey, we're going to cut a, 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 a boat in half and Spider-Man has to sew it together. I mean, there's no right. fancy choreography. It's all concept action. Hey, we're going to fight on the back of an airplane that's cloaked. Uh, and whatever. I mean, it's not any, it's not John Woo. It's just situational. Let's do a big splashy situation. Uh, we're not going to screw it up. Uh, we're just going to show you a bunch of cool stuff, but those kind of aren't the point of the movie. Uh, the movies doesn't seem terribly interested in doing big action sequences until the end, until the third act. And it's all, fun. it seems interested in doing them, just not doing them competently. So see, here's where I disagree because one of the things too, I loved about the ending I would argue the plane fight was just a little obligatory, splashy effects on the end. Like, if you look at the end of Wonder Woman, I think we all agree, Wonder Woman has a disappointing finale because it leans so heavily on these special effects. Spider-Man, and this is why I think the script is pretty smart, leans heavily on this twist that the girl he loves, that the villain is her dad. And Uh. furthermore, well, well, furthermore, what we get from this Mm. twist, which I see coming. (laughs) Uh, I was dumb enough where I didn't see this. What we get from this twist is a couple of really good conversations. And we didn't get any such conversation. We got Wonder Woman dancing with Danny Houston. Uh, and what did she – I don't even know that she ever talked to David Dulles before they had their CG fight. But that right. car scene where he drops him off at the prom and then the bit in the warehouse where he's explaining himself. And really we find out he's doing it, waiting for his bird suit to warm up. That's fine. But – I like this, you know, this this movie, and this is part of the tone. It didn't have to blow up a city, you know. This movie didn't care about that. It was just two people concerned about their families at odds, you know. Uh, he and it was even casting against type for Michael Keaton, by the way. You sort of expect, yeah, Michael Keaton's going to be the crazy psycho villain. He's not. He's just a normal dude trying to care for his family. He's a working man. He's he's basically Ray Kroc from the Fountain, uh, but with a family to look out for. Uh, Wait, so that guy was a dick. <laughs> Yeah, Ray, you know he was way nicer. He's a, than he's Ray a dick Kroc, here too. He's way nicer than Ray Kroc, I would say. He's a huge dick here. He's, he's a huge not, dick. What are you talking? He's about? Huge dick. He, he tries not, to kill a bunch of people. In this oh. movie, he did not betray John Carroll Lynch and uh, uh, Nick. <laughs> Hopper. 
And therefore, and therefore, that's my case. And therefore trying to <laughs> destroy a fairy is fun. Right. Yeah, well, no, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I mean, sure, he's a, he's a bad guy. But keep in mind, too, what he does, he's not driven by revenge for Peter Parker at the end. Ultimately, his goal is to provide a comfortable life for his wife and child. He has the opportunity. No, it's to- not. OK, good. So, I mean, you, you think he's lying when he's explaining his motive? No, he's just trying to make a lot of money. He's he's, he's trying to rationalize. He's rationalizing like, making a lot of money. I mean, don't make me argue for him as a good villain because I think he's a horrible villain. I think the I vulture think, is a right. terrible villain. So I'm I not going to argue uh, on his behalf and on that part. But I certainly don't think he's a well fleshed out character, and I don't think he's anything more than a total dick. I think you can, and neither's the girl. Think that he's a working man providing for his family. There's nothing in the script that is painting him as a greedy guy. And in fact, here's another instance. It turns on its head the whole trope of, oh, the villain is so badass that he kills one of his henchmen. When he does that, it's an accident. Like, I thought that was a great little gag. That was a, 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 a like sense of Don Trump Jr.'s. That was the movie's yeah. sense of humor, and it was showing that he's not this evil psycho henchman. He's just a normal guy. He's and just incompetent. He's just a guy who will rip apart an entire ferry and kill a bunch of people. Well, this movie Lots clearly does not want you to think people have died. Like it, that's well, a problem. Whether or not it wants us to think that, that's what he's doing. He's going to kill everybody on that ferry. Yeah. Why do you say that? He's not, he's not a nice guy. He, wait, he doesn't try to wait, save wait, wait, wait. How is he going to kill everyone on the ferry? He split it in half. And that's going to kill everyone on the ferry? Yeah, because yeah. it will sink <laughs> and they will all die. And he's going to bring down a plane in the middle of a city. He, he doesn't care about anybody but himself. He's robbing a billionaire. And he might, he might very well care for his daughter and his wife, and that's, that's very the point. nice. That's the point is that that's his motive. That's what the script if – you, if you guys don't believe it, that's fine. But that's what the script wants you to think his motive is. is he, his a means – I mean he's a criminal. doing that is killing people and threatening to kill Spider-Man and trying to kill him repeatedly. Right. Because I mean, that's the very least you got to give him. He does want to make him a normal working guy. Well, that's he not, says it once. And that's Tom went, yeah, he does say it. He's not. So look at villains. And look at Danny Houston, like in, in Wonder Woman. Like he's just this crazy. I don't psycho. think he's a good villain, but I don't think he's a nice guy, Tom. Well, I'm not saying he's nice. I'm saying he's a guy providing. This is a twist on the normal villain. The normal villain who's just psycho or wants to dominate the world. This guy, and how can you guys not see this? This guy's motive is just to be a criminal and provide for his family. He's no different than okay, Tony Soprano. Enough. Than Tony Soprano. He's not Hitler. He's Tony Soprano, and that is that's kind of new for superhero movies. You know, we see superhero movies like Batman v Superman or even the Avengers where the, the entire world is at stake or the universe. You know, we're going to destroy, you know, ego in Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy is going to destroy entire planets. This guy is just a criminal looking out for his family. I, I appreciated well, that twist. Well, that, I mean, I understand, yeah, I understand why they're writing it that way, because they can't have the rest of the Avengers come flying in for various reasons. And it, it's just your friendly neighborhood villain. I mean, it's it's an it's a friendly neighborhood hero, and you're a crappy neighborhood villain. I mean, I understand that, but I mean, it's small potatoes, and that's sure. the point, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's that one of the things I appreciated yeah. about it. And uh... I, I normally would too, but I don't agree <laughs> with any of the things that you're saying about motivations, especially. You really with... think that his motivation is not to provide for his wife and child? You think that that's just a no, faint I, in the movie? That's like Doctor Evil would say. No, I'm sure that's part of his motivation to provide oh. for them. Okay, I, well, I, 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 I agree with you. I, oh. I just think that 
murdering a bunch of people to do it is, is well shitty. you're reading into you are reading into this universe something that this universe doesn't want to have now when we see it's like the fast and furious movies it might be an unfortunate tone deaf effect when you see people when you see a tank rolling over a bunch of cars you're thinking whoa there's people in there dying the movie isn't thinking about that this movie is very careful not to show you people dying and i don't think the intent of what Michael Keaton does, like Michael Keaton doesn't blow up the ferry. The ferry gets blown up by his weapon that he put there. He would be responsible for it, certainly, right. and in a court of law, he would be prosecuted, but he's not an evil guy going out to kill people on a ferry. And the movie doesn't want you to think that that's something that he would do. But he doesn't care who gets killed by his weapon. Right. He leaves okay, instantly. that's fine. He's sure. just so as bad as the Joker. Is- he, oh, yeah. Lord, no, it's the Joker he gets killed is a- by his weapons. He could not care less. He's selling the weapons to whom – go out. You guys in a van? Sell and, these, and right, and sell the movie – Sell these right. alien technology exactly. that might blow up the city, and point. I could not care less. And the movie not. makes a point to, to tie that to Tony Stark as well. How is that different from Tony Stark, Dingus? What are you talking about? How is it different from Tony Stark? This Tony Stark was an arms dealer. Files. Tony Stark was an arms dealer. Was oh, well, he- yeah, sure, that makes that point, but then Tony Stark makes a change. And then Tony Stark makes a change again. Well, right, because he decides the to not pull back superhero. from that. But this is not what Michael Keaton's character is doing. And I, I, I really hate thief. this whole line of questioning because I think he's a horrible villain. I think he's an utterly boring villain. And I would rather talk about the motivation of Spider Man, which I think is also equally terrible. Okay, what's wrong with the motivation of Spider-Man? What do you think is his motivation in this movie? Because uh, I think the motivation in the original movie, I I understand that you guys both love Tom Holland. I like that guy very much. I liked him so much in Civil War. Um, I just don't get what's going on here. What is his motivation here? To be Uh, famous? To be an event? Well, so you guys say this isn't an origin story, and for the – technically that's right, but it plays like – It's a coming-of-age story. I mean that's what this is. It plays like an origin story, and it's about someone discovering his power, and that is a coming-of-age story. That's the whole idea of coming-of-age, is someone discovering his power and figuring out what to do with that. Uh, So his motivation is to become an adult, and part of becoming an adult, and I love the way that the movie paints this, is sometimes realizing that your dad was right. What? Yeah, the whole Tony Stark thing. Like he feels that – uh, that, that Tony Stark was wrong and won't let him lose, but the whole time Tony Stark was watching him, the whole time Tony Stark believed him and took him seriously, the whole time Tony Stark had this under control. He called the FBI on Michael Keaton's character, you know. whereas uh, uh, Peter Parker thought that he was just being marginalized. Instead, his father was taking him seriously, was believing him. His father had everything under control. If he had trusted his father things would have gone much differently. I think that's kind of the lesson of the relationship with uh, Tony Stark. Did you just say his motivation is to grow up? I did not, but I would. I don't think that's his motivation. I, I didn't say that, but I think that's the point of a coming-of-age movie, is watching a character grow up and learn to deal with... Okay, you know. uh, yeah, sure, that's, that's what's going on with us, but what's his motivation as a character? His motivation in the movie is well, to be on the Avengers team. That's his. That's his entire motivation. It's, it's to belong, right? Well, then he it's turns not, it down. It's not, to, it's not to say. It's not to help anybody. It's not to save anybody. I mean, he helps people as a means to an end, as an audition. I mean, he's constantly <laughs> you auditioning. He you think he does? He's only. To, he doesn't actually uh, care about. Yeah, that that thing. It says he, he's he, auditioning he, to be on the Avengers. No, no, no. Dick, absolutely not. He, he is being put, painted as a good-hearted kid who wants to do well. 
I know what Dinkus is saying though. Like, if you but didn't the know who Spider Man was, it's if you just go, this is what this guy's doing. He's trying out right. for Super Team. Right, like, right. It, trying out I to be on the Avengers. Just, That's what he's doing. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it, it could be both though. Well, so what, like, what's your point, Dinkus? So like, I, no, I no. So you feel my, my point is that that I feel like it, as cast against the other the other Spider Man I watched and why it was my over is that I feel like. The Tobey Maguire Spider-Man has far more at stake. He has far more things that he is protecting, taking care of, and doing um, as motivations for his character mm-hmm. than this character does, who seems – again, his only motivation seems to be, I want to get on the Avengers, and I'm going to use this super suit now to help me get on the Avengers. That's it. What else? No, is no, he no. Doing? Oh, that's not it. I mean, he's it's it, it's he's in love with a girl. Uh, his motivation Who? is to belong at school. His motivation is to you know to help people. Is to find a place to do that. And yeah, you're right to be one of the Avengers. His motivation is to figure out you know what it means to be a superhero. Is to figure out this newfound power he's got. Like he wants his to are, be an Avenger, so he can. His motivation is not to belong at school, and he and he abandons his date at the. High school That's dance. True. I mean, he's terrible. He's he doesn't do his chores at home. Aunt May doesn't figure in at all, other than just to be sort of window dressing. I I mean, there's nothing that he's doing that has any consequence. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, so he leaves. He, has, he leaves his date to go save, <laughs> to go stop this 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 plot to basically save the the these goods from falling into the wrong hands. And you think he should have stayed at the dance? Just one well, dance. Well, I mean, that's the character choice. I mean, that right there is the, well, well, the sort of point of the movie. That's the fulcrum for where he decides. Just to kiss do the her right really thing. quick and go. I'll be right back. I love you. Well, I'm a lot of this is fruit from the here. poison tree be because right I don't believe any of that moving the Avenger stuff in an automated plane anyway. Don't yeah, believe it's, any it's, of that shit. Right. That's all a MacGuffin stuff. It's all something that the the main bad guy has to chase down. I mean, I don't believe that all these like Chintari power sources are lying around. And I was, honestly, I couldn't care less. That's not the point of the movie. That's not right. even careless either. Yeah, but. it's just about it's that one. It, it, it's it's just about that. What you know, there, there's got to be one super high stakes heist that the vulture is doing uh, that Peter Parker has to decide to stop. And he has to. By the way, like he makes this decision, he has the chance. If he'd stayed at the dance, Dingus, that would have been the the easier choice. He makes the harder choice, and there's no, you know, there's no tagline with great power comes with great responsibility. Thank we can God. infer that he lives up to this idea that if he wants to help people, he's going to have to make sacrifices in his personal life and not do the easy thing. And he loses That's the girl. Harsh. I kind of love that he loses the girl. Yeah. Uh, I thought that there was a bold choice. Dingus, he does have an argument. Like, by the end, he's realized he's been dumb, and no, like he- that. He well, and he's not a girl. That. He doesn't. Dingus, he doesn't even. He doesn't even join the Avengers at the end. Right. I know, so which doesn't have... make any sense either. Um... Well, wait. You're, so you're <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the character. That's the character arc to go from a kid who wants right. nothing more than to belong to being a kid who instead does the things that, that are harder to do. That lives up to obligations instead of just wanting to be part of a clique. I mean that has that that that's a great metaphor for a coming of age story. I think. All right, fair enough. 
I just don't believe I don't believe the things that lead us there. I don't believe his motivations. I don't believe I don't believe any of the writing. And you liked the writing in this. I, yeah, I, I can't I cannot fathom that. It's you amazing. didn't like the Captain America jokes? Yeah, the, the sense of humor. They were fine, but where where do they come from? And you didn't like Guilfoyle's line? Like, come, can't lose a student on a trip again. There are a couple of lines That's that great. I liked in the movie that I thought were cute. I loved Ned. I think that that I That's think that Jacob man. Jacob Battleon is the is the energy center of this movie. To be quite honest, I think he brings it most. Um, More than Tom Holland, even. <laughs> yeah, I did. Wow. Okay. I just didn't think Tom Holland had. I mean, the motivation is to join the Avengers. I mean, look at what Tobey Maguire is doing in the first Spider-Man movie. What is he? I don't. I honestly don't recall. What is Tobey Maguire doing in this? Per- That's the whole thing where his uncle gets killed, right? That's the origin story. Well, yeah. There's a sense of stakes that, for everything that he does, and, and a sense of responsibility. A sense of when he doesn't do his chores, there's an actual responsibility there. A sense that people that he loves are in danger. I don't. There's there's no there's nobody in danger that that this Spider-Man loves that he's actually has to take care of. He's just trying for fame, I guess. Or well, I don't understand why that has to be team. mandatory. It's and yeah, you're you're really hitting him hard for wanting to be part of this superhero group because that's like no. what kids dream of. Like I want to be a famous celebrity, uh, and that the point I, of I know, this movie I, is maybe that my, shouldn't be a goal. That's my point. <laughs> well, this movie is about your point. This is a it's movie about that. <laughs> it's agreeing it's with agreeing. you, yeah. Yeah, also but too, I don't want to watch two hours of that and then get to the end and go, oh, okay. Yeah, that's why what, I haven't been interested Kiernan the whole say? time. But Kiernan, Kiernan loved it. Kiernan's seen it twice. He loved it. Oh. And, and actually, and, and actually uh, our, our viewers <laughs> all loved it, too. Real I mean, quick, I'm, Dingus. I'm clearly an outlier. Real quick, Dingus. Who do you think... Who do you the think... Kelly, yeah. Who do you think Kelly Wand thinks Zendaya is? <laughs> He thinks Zendaya is the prom date. Jesus. I no, I don't. I, I just didn't so want to hard. say the other name. I didn't care. I you don't want to say her name? All right. Well, I just didn't remember it. <laughs> but the opposite is me being dumb. On, but I was going to say, also, Ding, is maybe this is unfair, but like, I'm like Kiernan. Like, I grew up with Spider-Man and like the Ross Andrew phase of Spider-Man, like the 73 to 78 phase was some of my favorite comics reading in my tender years. It was really wacky. And this movie kind of captured that style. And I did like and Tom Holland, like I have that baggage when I come to see it. So if Tom Holland's arc isn't making sense to you. I'm still going. He's really like Spider-Man in those comics or when I was a kid. Well, that's so, because I'm I don't know hear what you think about that, Kelly Wan, because I, I when I was growing up, the superhero I most wanted to be was Spider-Man. Yeah. I love, I love the, that guy. He's the best. He's really fun. <laughs> and he's, he, he just has a great attitude and a great energy. And it was very... He's a kid. He's a kid. And it was way different from any other comics. It was like the top-selling Marvel comic for five years. Under the Spider-Man Spider- was? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. People loved him. He's super popular. Because all I know about Spider-Man is what I've learned from video games. And in video games, he's always just a wisecracking guy. You know, no video game I've ever played has ever tried to develop him as a character. And I've never read any of the comics. I've seen the Sam Raimi movies, which are all over the, over the map from 
gleeful to brooding to whatever. So I'm a little confused there about what Spider-Man is supposed to be. But this was just a, a super lighthearted, easygoing, funny, and not even wisecracking. Like he would do some wisecracks when he was fighting villains in his in his outfit. Like that was kind of his persona. Like it's almost like Christian Bale would do his dopey Batman voice. Suddenly Peter Parker's really funny with the appropriately timed wisecracks when he's right. Spider-Man. And that's what I know of from the video games. They even uh, make a Christian him. Bale joke in this movie. Uh, yeah, probably that's what that is. And I love that sense of humor. Like that thing is you, I, th- those things were hilarious to me. I don't think there was any joke that fell flat for me in this movie. I would be hard pressed to think of one. Yeah, I can't. even okay. even thinking of falling flat, like those kid newsreaders. That stuff was great. Like kids yeah. trying to do their news reading. Yeah, class. that was cute. Uh, Donald Glover's naturalism. That guy is amazing. I want to watch this TV show he's on now. Uh, even Michael Shurness as the guy who keeps bringing up the high altitude seal. Like I loved the cast and I loved how laid back and easygoing everyone was. <laughs> Favreau, even was even Favreau, and who I didn't find funny previously, but even Michael Keaton. <laughs> like I liked that he was just kind of a laid back working guy who, you know, Happy this guy's again. His last name is Hogan. Uh, yeah. Did you get Happy Hogan? Did you get confused about Logan Marshall Green? No, no, because I know my Logan Marshall Green by now. Uh, I was a little disappointed that we dispatched of him so quickly, but I liked that that gag. So, uh... well, Chris Chris Webb, who's one of our listeners, and Rodan, uh, he says nice for the most part, but one of his points is that. Uh, he has a Logan Marshall Green sidebar where he says, I recently watched The Invitation, and at first I thought the character looked a lot like Tom Hardy. Um, well, that guy's got wondered, to have that hanging over his head. I mean, yeah. that poor actor. Yeah. Well, what, 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 that was Doug Benson. That was Doug Benson, that guy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Chris Webb says it, he wondered if it could be Tom Hardy. Well, even later, he decided it was actually Tom Hardy. It wasn't. It was Logan Marshall Green in Spider-Man Homecoming. I briefly thought the first shocker was the actor that played Charlie on Girls. Logan, learn to look like uh, yourself. So Chris's, Chris's note buff. to Logan is learn to look like yourself. I will say I kind of cheated and knew because I'd watched The Invitation recently. I really oh. liked him in a movie called Sandcastle. Uh, so in looking at Logan Marshall Green's uh, IMDb page, I did see, oh, he's going to be in Spider-Man. And so I realized that as I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, is that? Oh, no. Yeah, that's Logan Marshall Green in this. But I did immediately realize, yeah, he does look a lot like Tom Hardy. Uh, You know, that whole they did a CG movie where Tom Hardy plays twins. They could have just hired Logan Marshall Green. (laughs) Yeah. Or Army Hammer. (laughs) That's those English dudes. What was that movie? Uh, I think it was called, oh, shoot, Bad Guys or Evil. It was called like Gross. So we called something like that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Chris Webb also really liked the side characters. So he's he's with uh, he's with all of us on Ned. He thought Ned was great. Martin Starr and Hannibal Burris. I forgot Hannibal Burris. Yeah, he's the coach yep. showing up at the school in the Speaking school. Speaking of Cosby, by the way, I see that guy and I'm like, you know what, Hannibal Burris? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for your um, contribution to. Uh, he was the Bernstein serial rapist. Yeah, he was exactly. And he thought the MJ character was good, but probably more set up for fu- future movies than yeah. an important character here. Which I love so, that. I, yeah, yeah what did you think about that? Because I thought yeah. Zendaya was great. I don't know who she is, but I really, really liked her in this. She's yeah, we wouldn't channel it. Yeah, we wouldn't know her from anything. She's like, uh, oh, okay, all right. But I, I think she's, she's definitely a draw for younger audiences. I love that. I, right. I love. So I, I mean, this is such a 
well, they, yeah, it's, it's important to be politically aware. I, I love how movies are normalizing mixed uh, race relationships. And I just so enjoyed that because I saw that Angora Rice chick who was in Nice Guys as Ryan Gosling's daughter. She was in The mm-hmm. Beguiled that we just uh, saw. And she's in this. So when she showed up in this, yeah. I was like, oh, she's going to be the love interest. But when it turns out he's crushing on uh, Le- Laura Harrier, uh, who's who's obviously a black woman, I was like, yeah, that is awesome. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. And then when she leaves and the surly sidekick chick says, oh, yeah, just call me MJ. I was like, okay, good. Even though he lost the girl, they're still pushing this idea of a mixed-race relationship. I love that that has been so completely normalized, and that, that's really important to me. Kirsten Dunst is great. I prefer her frumpy Dunst to her Spider-Man Dunst, but uh, it's just such terrible a terrible Mary Jane. But I don't know. I, really? okay. I think one of the good thing about this movie is that it doesn't necessarily treat these as mixed-racial relationships because yeah, that's good. it just it – just, well, that's it what I mean by normalizing. It's that's good. Okay, good. Yeah, because doesn't even, and I, I even the dad, and, and that's that. Michael I shouldn't even say anything. Right, I shouldn't even say anything, but I can't help it because for for a guy for guys our age, that's important. I mean, I distinctly right. remember superhero movies. Talking to someone that I went to high school with, this is someone I grew up with, someone I was very very close to, and I once asked her, "Hey, have you seen this movie, uh, The Color Purple? It had just come out. I'd been away at college." And she said to me, and I'll never forget this. She said to me, "Oh God, no! I don't want to see movies about those people." And I just remember thinking, "Wow, I what's that mean?" I t- you were like my high school sweetheart, and that's what you're saying. I remember going, moving back to Arkansas, and looking Dude. for a place to live, and calling a landlord, and saying, "Oh, what, I'm asking about this property." And he, and he, he, him saying to me on the phone, "Oh, you know, this is for black people. You're, they're not like us. You don't want to live there." And just to be exposed uh. to that stuff in my 20s and 30s is just reprehensible. So it means a lot to me when this is played as no big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I agree and, with you on that. Yeah. She's missing a lot of good movies, is all I got to tell your first movies about those people. Yeah, yeah. She's really fucking herself on that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. All yes. right. So, Arthur Giovangeli also really liked this movie. He said that he actually enjoyed himself in this movie. He's surprised. He said the only Spider Man movie he liked prior to this was Spider Man 3. Um, you guys keep them says, straight. There's so many <laughs> Spider Man movies. They all blend together for me. No, uh, they, they're all different. They, they did not blend together for me, um, although I have not seen the second Andrew Garfield one. Uh, real quick, I want to hear Arthur's yeah, take. Either. Is Jamie Foxx the shocker? Like yeah. Jamie, oh, my gosh. Wow. So that's what they None do. None of us saw it. Did we? Tom, you didn't see it. No, 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 no. But I know that Paul Giamatti was in a rhinoceros outfit and that Jamie right. Foxx was the flying electricity guy. You're making me want to Wait, see it. That's about. in the second Amazing Spider-Man movie? Yeah. <laughs> that's the one Good we missed. Lord. Oh. Javadi, fuck, let's go back. Now I'm feeling, I'm kind of jonesing for it. Uh, so Arthur says this, and I wonder if uh, this is kind of getting closer to the point of what Tom is saying, because I think it kind of is. He says, I thought the movie worked better when Holland was not doing superhero stuff. It was just watching him playing a kid in high school. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what I mean, too, about it didn't care sure. that much about the set pieces. It wasn't really about showing off his powers, and an example of that is all those doodads in the, that the suit could do. The movie didn't really care about beyond making a cute little, hey, I'm having a hard time learning my iPad joke. Like, that's all they did with it. He has all these cool things, and it wasn't like a rules-based, hey, what can Spider-Man do or not do? It didn't care, I think, uh, and Something I kind of that- appreciated that. Something that kind of bothered me now that you mention it is the fact that 
he gets handed a lot of stuff by yeah, Iron Man. I, I hated that. And that seemed lame. Like, he should have to work for it. And I, I know the, the theme too. of the movie is that he is working for it, but it's like, it just goes against what I know about Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man was a self-made superhero. And he, well, and he turned but, down the Avengers way So what you're, what you're asking for, though, is an origin story, and we're past that, though, aren't we? Like, we yeah, know presumably his, his uncle... We know presumably his uncle has died. He's right. been bitten by the spider. He's had to struggle with, hey, what are these powers and how can I use them? Like when we meet him in that Captain America movie, his powers are fully formed, right? Like he's gone through I, Yeah, and I like yeah, that. Yeah. The fact that Iron Man is giving him free shit before he even starts his career. But to test him with training wheels, with literal training yeah. wheels. And, and, and talking about is. it as training wheels kind of bolsters what Tom is saying as far as him being a father figure because that's what dad, you know. Classically, dads do. Training wheels and a baby monitor. I mean, those are the names of the protocols. Clearly, Tony Stark thinks of it in that way. I it's mean, just been, a bigger well, retcon than I was expecting. Right. Okay, you and your source material. That's what I you know. Mean. That's me. I admit it. You know, I don't, and I can. I, I was going to say, I know you wouldn't give a shit about this. Probably. Like, that's the baggage I, I was like. Iron Man is now in Spider Man's C three PO. I don't believe that Tony Stark ever does any of that other than sardonically and. And just to make fun of somebody, so it's it's hard for me to buy into that. Like training wheels is anything other than haha. Once you find out this is the name of the program, you're gonna feel like an idiot because I made fun of you. Because that's what Tony Stark does. So and the comics uh, he's on his own, so it's even more challenging and interesting in a way because it's like you know, he's no, having this, to figure this shit out on his own. Okay, you guys, so. let me call you guys out on this because this is post Avengers, post Iron Man three. This is the Tony Stark who was going to sacrifice himself at one point. Right. This is the Tony right. Stark who has the relationship mm-hmm. with the boy in Iron Man three. I think this is a Tony Stark, and I guess I forget what he goes through in the Captain America movie. But isn't this like an older, more mature Tony Stark at this point? I don't know. I just had no problem seeing that just because That doesn't matter. I see your point. I think I think you I think you make a good point there and I'll concede that. Um, um I don't I don't see him necessarily as a father figure because he's just I don't know, but I, I I'll I'll concede that that um that Tom Holland or Spider Man Peter Parker will see him as that. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, and and I think that's that's a major arc for him when he realizes that his, yeah. his his dad was trusting him, that his dad was taking him seriously, did know about these reports, did call the FBI, uh, did believe him when nobody else did. Uh, like that was the point when he realized, oh, this guy really was looking out for me. But in the comics, he doesn't have a father figure, and so all of his wisecracking and stuff is like, I you know I always interpret it as a way of like, yeah, I'm just gonna be I'm my own father figure. <laughs> Doing my own thing. And it does kind of. If we accept, if we accept your premise, though, it does make the end a little weird. If, what the uh, what part? Him rejecting his father. Well, I mean, I I, I don't know about rejecting his father. He's just basically not needing a leg up from his father. He's not rejecting right. him. He's just saying, Dad, I don't need you to pay for my college. <laughs> you know, I'm going to work as a, I'm going to work a job to pay for my own tuition. Dad, I'll take the that's, that's totally cribbed from the first movie, though. I mean, that's. That's, you know, I mean, uh, I don't. I that's cribbed from all kinds of things. I mean, that's yeah. generally what happens at the end of coming of age is you become an adult and you look out for yourself. Uh, but I don't think he rejects Tony Stark, is what I'm saying. And I love too the 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 gimmick because I I don't think I knew it was Tony Stark when he said that was a test, right? And Tony Stark said, yeah. I mean, I kind of was pretty sure mm-hmm. that yeah. they were going to show us that yeah, he really was going to do it. And I got a lovely, lovely Gwyneth Paltrow cameo, which after seeing Mordecai, uh, I so did enjoy. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I don't think he's rejecting Tony Stark so much as here's the thing up to his responsibilities. I think in the comics he has a frail old aunt that he worries constantly about, and no father figure, and no Uncle Ben, and Aunt May's bummed about Uncle Ben and misses him. And in these in this movie, he's surrounded by cool, glamorous, sexy, awesome people. He's got Iron Man. He's got Marissa Tomei. Living yeah, there. nice. Woo! <laughs> you know, it's just it's hard to feel sorry for him. It's he's got a um also I don't get the secret identity thing anyway, because like Aunt May was always getting kidnapped instantly, like even in the first Spider-Man by the Green Goblin. Like secret identities don't work because they find out who you are regardless if the plot calls for it. Well, here yeah, yeah. I mean here presumably he's outed at the end. I, I also love that, you know, we didn't need an F bomb. We could just have uh, it implied. <laughs> Kelly Wan, did you hate that? Well, because there's a couple, and it's fine. Well, I like there was the reference. There was a who would you f uh, fight or marry? Yeah. Like when they're I when like the girls the are talking about the superheroes, they don't say the actual f bomb. They just say the letter f. Uh, oh, that's so weird for me. When what? they brought up that's when they hard. brought up Black Widow, that was weird for me. Um, when that guy kept cut, be, being called Flash because I forgot that was a character, I just kept thinking, how is Flash in this movie? How is that possible? Uh, I just I get confused by those things. I think it's that's DC. Come on. I know it's DC. I understand that. This ain't your grandma's Flash Thompson, bro. <laughs> 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 uh, I also want to say, and I don't know if this is just me rationalizing, but when I watch uh, Wonder Woman, for instance, and they transition between Wonder Woman and CG Wonder Woman, it, it stands out for me. I mean, you know, I can see that stuff. We all know the, the problems inherent with CG versus physical actors moving around. Uh, it kind of works for me when it's supposed to be a weightless spider. Like, oh, it's that's clear. so weird. I mean, it's clear when uh-huh. it is the CG and when it's an actual person, but if you're going to be because the artwork, it seems to me in all the comics is always showing him in these weird, inhuman, contorted positions. Uh, and to, to, I presume, create this idea that his movement is something that human beings can't do. Uh, and it's even, you know, this whole idea. Comfortable. Right, right. Exactly. He's comfortable doing that. And even this idea, too, of swinging, that's not something like that's fantasy traversal. Nobody moves that way except Tarzan and Spider-Man. Nobody really knows sort of being a kid and swinging out on a rope in a lake what that feels like. Like that's your all. Legs up. Yeah, they actually legs up. do. They do know. Go ahead. Just what swing. Say? Web to web to sort of – I mean you know what it's like on a swing set, but to actually like be traversing that way. I but we know what it looks like, and we can know what it looks like. What I mean I had, a, I had a long conversation today about this, uh-huh. this very thing, uh, because um, Alexandra, who I, I saw it with and is somebody we're all friends with, um, she was talking about seeing this talk where she works with these uh, stunt people um, who had worked on the first Spider-Man and they were talking about trying to uh, emulate that kind of swinging arc mm-hmm. and not being able to get it quite right as far as CG was concerned because it just seemed like the uh, the acceleration was constant. It, whatever the arc was, the acceleration was constant, and it just was flappy about kind of like what you're talking about, Tom, uh, as far as like those pictures in the books. But what they did was they finally, for that final bridge sequence, rig- rigged trapezes and actually – showed how acceleration works it's slow at the beginning it gets faster and faster and then it gets slower at the top and then it's slow at the beginning and it it it, 
it has a different feel to it and the body moves differently. And they actually did practical effects for that because they couldn't get the CG to work quite right. And the stunt people were talking about that. And in, in this movie, for her in particular, it just seemed unreal and video gamey. Right. What, what I'm saying, though, is is it's not part of our human. We know what it's like to jump. We know what it's like to punch someone. We know how that should look. That's something that we can do with our bodies. It's something that's part of any human experience is how your body moves. When Wonder right. Woman does that crazy jump, it looks kind of out of place from how she's just walking around. But when somebody does that who's supposed to be a spider, uh, it it works for me. Like I can tell when it's CG, but I don't mind it so much as I mind when it is Wonder Woman doing it, or even something why, like the. Why is that? Why is that different? Because the spider is less. They both have power. They both right. Because the spider is the spider is weightless. Like a spider, it does not spider move like a human being. Spiders are not weightless. They yeah, have they have zero G. Dingus. Who cares? Uh, there's a there's there have been Spider-Man video games too that have played with this idea of how web swinging works, and I loved the moment. So that I, I think that was the second Spider-Man Two is the name of the one of the video games, and it had a pretty demanding mechanic for <laughs> getting the timing of the swing, shooting a new web, uh, even for having the web attached to points at buildings, and it was really gratifying to learn that. It was set in New York City, but there was always the pain in the ass of if you had to cross Central Park, there's no place for your webs to stick. So you had right. to go around Central Park, or the really hard missions would be in Central Park where you couldn't rely on your web slinging. When he hits that golf course, I was like, oh, my God, that's me and Spider-Man 2 having to cross Central Park. That is yeah. great. That I was a cute that. joke with him running across the roofs and the housetops and not being able to, to put his web on anything and having to run for a long time on the golf course. I like that. And in a Ferris Bueller nod, which I didn't know was a Fer Ferris Bueller nod, even though it was pretty clear. I was like, yeah. is that Ferris Bueller? And I waited for the credits. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Chris uh, Markinson, uh thought the movie was all right. Um, he enjoyed it, but didn't think it was anything that special. Uh, he did like and appreciate, as you guys did, that it wasn't an orange movie. So what Chris is saying is he was sort of hoping that Marissa Tomei might have a more meaningful role. Uh, I'm not quite purpose. I'm not quite sure what purpose she had in the movie, other than that they had to have an Aunt May character. So, what do you guys think of that? Is she yeah, grieving? Is there even an Uncle Ben? Because she seems happy, and so does Peter. That's they a good question. Like so, I want to ask you guys: What do we know? Because I remember so little about those movies. What do we know from the Civil War movie about Spider-Man? Like, you guys remind me: What's the deal? Where does Tony Stark find him, and what do we know about him? In his house, I mean, he comes home and, and Tony Stark's hitting on Aunt May in his living room. And right, kind of eating like walnut uh, fruit bread or something. Yeah, they're right. Fucking. But how do? What do we know about his background and about who Aunt May is? Like, is it possible that this is not a Spider-Man who lost his uncle? It, it's possible, possible okay. because uh, it, there's just hand, it, it's basically kind of hand waving about all that stuff that happened before. They never that's, mentioned that, Uncle that's Ben. All in the movie. Once uh, Tony Stark says, uh, I want to talk to him about the Tony Stark grant, because if you remember, there's this whole sequence where Tony Stark ha is the younger Tony Stark CG'd, and it's really just a simulation. And then he tells all of the students in the auditorium that they can have Ew, the Tony right, Stark right. grant. Yeah. And then he shows up at the apartment and um, because he has, he has to recruit more people in order to fight Team Captain America uh, – he shows up at the apartment and then he says, I need to talk to, um, I need to talk to Peter for a minute. And they go into Peter's room alone 
And it, then he shows him video of Peter running around and stopping cars from hitting, hitting buses. And okay, Peter, so he's and, seen his powers at work, and that's how he knows. He's seen his powers at work on YouTube. Right. And, and what Peter Parker says is, oh, you know, all that stuff is made up. That's not real. And Tony Stark just automatically knows that if I push up this attic door that's magically in your room, your your suit's going to fall down and I'm going to reveal you. And, and Peter Park just sort of says, oh, all that stuff that happened before. So all of his origin story is all that stuff that happened before, which I kind of liked. I really we don't liked know. That. We didn't know previously that he was bit by a spider. Like, did they explain any of that? In the, it is in this movie. The Civil War movie? I know in this movie they mentioned it, but no, all that is the, left out of the Civil War movie, right? No, there's there's a couple jokes made about it, but it's really just relied upon us to have cultural understanding of what happened. Right, right. Uh, and then he recruits Spider-Man and gives him a, a you know a cool suit and whatnot. Because there's really nothing dark in this movie. Like this movie is not, you know, no, she's not. Gr- Aunt, uh, uh, Aunt May is not grieving, and you don't get the sense of that. She's not no. like frail and vulnerable. She's just this cool, nerdy, hot chick who doesn't know her glasses and pants are from the seventies. And she's never in danger. Right. Oh, why does she have to, I mean, what big deal? So, like, that's not big what the movie's so, about. Because that's a huge part of the Spider-Man lore. That is. Well, that I don't care that that's his not family. What, yeah, do you have to cram every element of lore into every movie? Who cares? No, I don't have to cram every element, but I then would like some motivation other than I want to be a famous dude. I mean, come on. Why do you care that care about the fact that? Why does that have to be in here? That's absurd to me. You don't need every superhero movie to be about some some existential threat to a superhero's existence or life. Yes, you do. I, Otherwise, what's Oh, my point? God. No, you don't, Dingus. You do yes, not. You, do. you have, have to have superheroes like have an existential threat. Otherwise, what's the point? Kelly Wan, get in here. Tell me Tell me true. Let's, Aren't there plenty of Let's have a superhero playing chess. I'm a superhero chess player. Yay. Let's watch that. Oh, uh, yeah. If you, if you hate Ingrid Bergman's... Uh, 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 Seventh Sin movie, sure. I bet you Seven bag Sins. on that as well. Not a movie. Seven Sins, whatever it is, where Max von Sydow plays chess against. I know who you're talking about, but that's Sino. not a superhero movie. That I really work. think because I that's I really do. That's one of the things I like is that it's not some dire, dark, potential life-ending threat. Nobody's life is. I mean, except you're supposed to. You know, there's tension during action scenes, even though you know he's not going to die. But nobody's life is being threatened here. This isn't a movie I know, that's about the problem. <laughs> You don't want you want don't want Spider Man having dinner with somebody for an entire movie. This isn't that movie. Well, it's a coming of age movie. You don't need someone's life to be in a coming of age movie any more, Dingus, than you need, say, in Logan to know his origin story, or you need in Dark Knight to know who the Joker is. Comic books can use their elements to tell different kinds of stories, and they don't have to all involve the same formula. And you don't think the power of those two movies that you just referenced, yep. some of the power comes from the fact that the people they love are in danger of losing yeah, no, their lives? All right, all of it, but I don't need that in every movie I see. Comic I know, books, I don't need it in every movie I see either, but in yeah, superhero movies, the two every- movies you referenced, the two right. movies you referenced have people whose lives are in danger. A coming-of-age movie does not need someone's life in danger. That's fine, but this is a superhero movie. Come on. It's a a coming-of-age movie that's using superheroes to tell a story just like Logan is a story about – uh, being a parent and a child using using comic books, and just like Dark Knight is a story about the tension between law and chaos using comic books to tell a story. Right, but people who are loved are in danger. 
to be fair to you, Chris Markinson, I think, really does agree with you on this point because he says, is it me or are there a lot of movies using family as character motivation? Maybe the studios all think that's what really makes the Fast and Furious franchise so popular. So, you know, I think Chris Markinson actually agrees with you on this point. Well, I don't see. I mean, I agree with you, Dingus, in that nobody's life is in danger. You know, Aunt May is not in danger. But what I disagree with you on is that that need that's a necessary ingredient for a superhero movie. You know, superheroes are they're the equivalent for us of Greek mythology. It, it, you know, right. when Homer right. told stories, not every story though was about an existential threat to the gods. You know, the gods had stories about just being upset with each other. You know, Greek mythology was just petty jealousy or people sniping at each other. It wasn't always some world ending or God shattering event. It was just a way to cast human experience against a different backdrop. And the humans could be destroyed by their their by the things that they were contending about. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was an existential threat for all of humanity. That's what the gods the, the contingents of the gods were putting humanity at danger sometimes, or well, right. the people sometimes they fell just, in love with. Right. Exactly. Sometimes dingus, and sometimes that happens in comic books. It doesn't happen in every element of Greek mythology. It doesn't happen in every comic book. It's it's. I think it's unreasonable to expect every comic book to be about someone's loved one being in danger, or to even be about a city being destroyed or the end of the world. That is not a necessary prerequisite for a, a superhero story, or or but, Greek mythology. Well, I certainly agree with you that it doesn't have to be about a city being leveled. Uh, because that's one of the things I do like about this movie is that I think that uh, the writing does justify the fact that nobody else rushes in because it's just him taking care of petty crimes. Right, exactly. But he does. Right. Yes. But uh, Tony Stark does have his back and calls the FBI. Yay, Tony. Thanks for helping. Yeah, more Deus Ex <laughs> How about uh, hanging out with a? How about hanging out with him and actually being a. a a father figure instead of like going off to Abu Dhabi or wherever he was. So you guys haven't seen Edge of Seventeen. You haven't seen the relationship between Woody Harrelson and Haley Steinfeld. No, because that's what I would bring up. Like that, that sort of. Well, never mind. I can't say anything. <laughs> I. Which part of Marissa Tomei would you bite first? One, two, three. Not only you and me got one eighty. Uh, how are they doing at making her look not hot? How is that working out? Can't work. I know. You mean frumpy? <laughs> what was the word you said? From dunced? From frumpy dunced. Yeah. Frumpy dunced. I don't is there such gonna... thing as frumpy till May? Nope. Not gonna happen. So far. She's our Aunt Margaret. I was a little confused, too, so this isn't a spoiler if you fast-forwarded this part. Uh, Captain America's a criminal? That's where we got left off? What are you talking about? Yeah. Someone said I don't know how he got criminal. Who? I don't remember this. What happened? Isn't that right, Dingus? In the movie, they say, well, I think Captain America's a criminal now. Hannibal Burris, I think, says, well, I think he's a criminal now, but let's watch this video. Like, that's where we got left off with the Captain America movies, is that Captain America is a criminal that's where we are huh yeah. i kind of do vaguely remember that all right now. do you so remember I... the sokovia accords do you remember that whole discussion we had about yeah but who iron won? man uh, right. who won iron man signing getting everybody signing the sokovia accords no it's gun america control. not doing that yeah it's basically gun control uh 
But I forgot. And then at the end of the movie, get resolved like they again. they patched over their differences and no met some middle ground. Oh. No, at the end of that, oh, yeah. at the end of Civil War, he says, "Give me, give him, give me my dad's shield back. My dad made that for you." And so Iron Man takes the shield back and runs away. And uh, Captain America is now a criminal. He's because he's broken the Sokovia Accords. Even though he's right. them. Okay, I'm remembering now. I'm Team Iron Man. I think you guys yeah. are Team Cap, right? Because I, I believe sign the yeah. accords, obey gun control, and you guys are like, no, the UN's going to ruin the world. Boo, global, global. I don't, I don't, I don't advice from somebody are, I don't believe that they are analogous to guns, so <laughs> that's where we we had a huge debate about that. But yeah, Captain America is. But you know, also Markinson. I will say one more thing about Markinson. He did love the Captain America PSA videos. I mean, how That's, can you not enjoy little Chris Evans? And notice, and, uh, if he's still a criminal and they're showing his videos, they obviously agree with me and Dingus. Well, Hannibal Burris says that he gets yeah. a criminal. because. You know. All right, let's do a three-by-three. Three. This I'm week's topic is Spider-Man Homecoming good, great, or fantastic? Your three <laughs> adjectives of those... Oh. Oh, oh my god in my notes I, this is you guys will enjoy this i wrote uh, superman homecoming oops wow <laughs> that's not surprising to me at least i didn't confuse flash with a uh, flash from the dc comics like dingus did that was one of the one one of the great jokes in the first uh, spider-man is aunt may when she's in her hospital bed says you can't do everything peter you're not superman and he just <laughs> what? which yeah. movie does that the, the first, first Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I was, was even in the trailers. I was a little une- uneasy with uh, Star Wars references being made here because I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's Disney now, and Disney owns wait, Marvel. Where was the Spider? Where was the uh, Star Wars reference? Death Stars, and there was a little oh. figure. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the in Civil War? Do, do you remember the Star Wars reference in Civil War? I do. I do. Uh, Captain America says, "May the Force be with you." No. Good Lord. I think I do remember there was one, but I, what what was this? Kelly, come on, bring it. Giant, giant man. I mean, Ant Man becomes Giant Man, and then Spider Man's all, "Hey, there's this movie with walkers in it," and then he like wraps a cable around. He's like, "Have you guys seen Empire Strikes Back?" And the other two are like, "Oh, yeah. And the second he said, "Have you guys seen Empire Strikes Back?" Every nerd of mine just went, "Oh, oh!" Like they saw, they already had fill, filled in the blanks. Like, oh, nice, good. There's good so many, reference. so many great lines in Civil War. There's there, when he's fighting with the the two of them in the terminal. Uh, I think it's Falcon who says – and by the way, I have to admit, I thought – I didn't know Vulture was a thing. I thought that was Falcon coming to save him all of a sudden. I will yeah. say I don't, I don't think Vulture is a thing because they don't – correct me if I'm wrong. They don't ever call him Vulture, do they? Well, Kiernan uh... told me on the way home, and, and Kiernan was reading on the way home. Uh, he didn't really want to talk about the movie, and, I, and I'm, I'm driving home, and I'm thinking – I want to force my kid to stop reading and talk about a movie. Um, but he said, yeah, he said, yeah, Vulture, Vulture's a thing. Right, right. But, but they yeah. don't call him that in the movie, I don't think, do they? Because I didn't know he was Vulture. They'd I don't know not. who Vulture is. but I think it's the same name, though. Like his his name is Vulture. Well, right. His name was like Andy yeah. Tombs or something. Jason but they never Bird. they never said, hey, the Vulture is going to rob this airplane. Or They never called him that, did they? He doesn't you, himself that. Tom, when you get a chance, Google uh, oh. Spider-Man Vulture and just look at what that character looks like in the comics. Okay, I'm glad they didn't go with that, by the way. Uh, I, I like my, I like my. He looks like a Bugs, the Bugs Bunny Vulture. What? Ew, weird. All right. 
So okay. Falcon, I think, in Civil War says, I, I don't know if you've been in that many fights, but people don't talk this much. <laughs> oh, he says that to Spider-Man? Yeah. <laughs> See? Come on, let's go great. back and watch that movie again. I don't think you gotta. I don't think you'll like it. <laughs> I don't think I will either. I, I, I know don't bother. I yeah. Iron okay. Man believes in gun control. I don't like anything else. <laughs> Team Iron Man. <laughs> you jokers are criminals. Hannibal Burris thinks you're criminals now. Griffin Dunn's a hallucination. Uh, oh boy. Uh, by the way, I did go back and rewatch American Werewolf in London. I don't know what you're you were claiming. I'm a little <laughs> bit fuzzy on that, but you're wrong. Oh, I'm so happy to you hear do this, this every time. Wait, real you, quick. What was your claim? I'm I, so, I, happy. I, so I did rewatch it. I rewatched American Werewolf in London, uh, which wasn't hard to do. I love that movie. Where did we disagree? Like, what was our disagreement? You're saying Griffin Dunn's not real, and I'm saying he's right. a real ghost. Yeah, no, I'm saying that, that right, right, that that you could. There's no evidence in the movie that he is not. That's way too many negatives. What? Uh, the, <laughs> the movie is decomposing. Right, no, the movie implies that he's part of uh, David Naughton going mad. That's my that's my. If you can find one listener to agree with you, I'll at least stop ignoring you. Here's, well, here's what I heard you guys say. Yeah, Dingus, yeah, read us back the minutes. Oh, from last week's oh my fucking God. This is the dumbest thing Tom's ever seen. What yes. I thought was he was in a theater and he looked and he saw a bunch of werewolf ghosts or something. And one of you thinks that's a real thing, and the other one thinks that's yes. him having an illusion. Right. That's Tom. It's the linchpin of Tom's argument, in fact. Because well, they no, disappear I think, in a certain shot. He's all, that's film language, but they're not real. Right. I don't think there's any textual evidence, Kelly Wand, for Griffin Dunn being an actual ghost, like actually existing outside of David Naughton's head. You think it's his subconscious going, you should kill yourself because you got bitten by a wolf. Yes. <laughs> Dumbass. What? He doesn't want to kill anyone. It's generally, generally Kelly Wand. He doesn't know he's going to kill anyone yet. Is he does? He knows How? what happened to Griffin Dunn. He knows he's heard of werewolves. He's seen werewolf movies. Uh, he references, references. He references werewolf movies. He ignores he it too. Yeah, but then he's all, yeah, whatever, dude. I'm not going right. to do that. And when he kills someone, Griffin Dunn keeps coming back and saying, dude, kill yourself, dude, kill yourself. Each time he kills someone, Griffin Dunn comes back in a more dire state. Uh, like, I want to agree with you. And I'm here's, not saying here's, wrong. Here's the scene, here's the scene that surprised me that I was like, yeah, I think this – Kelly Wan should know about this scene. So no one, of course, sees uh, – right? Shoot, never mind. There's kind of something I don't want to tell you. There's something I do want to tell you and something I don't want to tell you because one thing helps my case, but the other one really helps your case. So I'm not <laughs> going to tell you the one that helps your case yet. Okay. Interesting. You, so wait, so you began with, I saw it again, and that's how I know I'm right. And now you're saying, well, although I did see well, things. I, here's the thing. I do feel it's open to interpretation. I don't think there's any textual <laughs> evidence one way or the other. I don't think that John Landis expects you to think. Here's the, here's the thing I want to tell you about. I you don't like my idea better because it's. I would think you as a horror buff would go, oh, that's an interesting. No, I like the idea that werewolves go insane, that werewolves don't know what you're doing. It's not real. Wait, you just said that was – last week you said that was the contribution to werewolf lore. What I said it was, not what yeah. you're saying. What, they were not crazy. Right? What, they're is that they go crazy and they don't know the difference between reality and, and, and they're violent. That's true, too, but according but to John. they're also ghosts, you're saying. Right. You get killed. And by the way, in the second one that's also backed up, the shitty Paris one, he kills oh. a girl and then she oh, comes yeah. back as a ghost. And, she's, and she doesn't even mind. She's like, you rascal. 
We should maybe see. Yeah, that that might be worth looking into. But here's the deal. So when he, when he knows he's going to turn into a werewolf and he doesn't want Ginny a gutter to get hurt. Uh, oh, she's so cute, by the way. Uh, yeah. So he leaves the apartment and he's just going to wander the city and he's worried about, you know, he's going to kill himself. And he's wondering what's the best way to do it. Uh, and he calls his mom to say goodbye to his family because he knows he's going to kill himself that night before he can turn. Uh-huh. After he hangs up the phone, he looks across the street, and he's in Piccadilly Circus. It's super crowded. People going back and forth on the sidewalk. There's traffic. Griffin Dunn, super decomposed, is just standing there in Uh front of everyone, and he waves him over into the theater. People are walking by, not reacting to a rotting – They can't see him. Only you can see him. Only the werewolves can see him. See him because he's in his head, because he's not real. Now, wait. Hold on. You're being retarded because (laughs) – hold on. Okay. In The Sixth Sense, Haley Joel Osment plays a character who's the only one who can see ghosts. Like, not everyone can see ghosts. The Sixth Sense and is a ghost werewolf movie. American Werewolf in London. It's not called American Werewolf and Ghosts in London. <laughs> the fact that ghost isn't in the title of the movie is your... It means there are no ghosts. Yep. What's the thing that confirms my theory that you're not telling me? By the way, I saw a movie called A Ghost Story, which oh has ghosts and is terrible. It's uh, So Casey Affleck dies and then spends the rest of the movie with a sheet over his head. It. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, so the thing that supports your point, Kelly Wan, is that when he first, or I think the second time he meets Griffin Dunn, so he meets him once in the hospital, once at Ginny Gutter's apartment, and then in the porn theater. The second time he meets Griffin Dunn in Ginny Gutter's apartment, Griffin Dunn is saying, hey, kill yourself, you're going to hurt, hurt people, you, you, blah, blah, blah. Um, Ginny Gutter comes out and walks into the room and there's no one there. Right. It says, I thought I heard voices in here. And he's like, ah, oh, no. voices plural. You who? I know. Then why don't why don't people see? Wait. So you hear the ghosts, but you can't see them. Okay, I'm here. I'll even help you. I'll go. This will okay. that can help your point by the fact that he's speaking in Griffin Dunn's voice as part of his insanity. Okay, thank you. So we've helped each other, and we're no further now. So good. Dingus, watch it and tell us. Yeah, Dingus, we need you to be a tiebreaker. Right. Uh, all right, let's do this week's three by three. Wait, hold on. Yes, Just yes, one yes. more quick thing from Chris Webb uh, about this Spider-Man movie we watched. He did say this. I wanted a zapped finale. <laughs> we had Tom. Maybe the prom where he uses or like that, or where they fly off at the end of Zapped, where he takes he, the girl. Oh, he's saying they teased fun high school party scenes before yanking us away. So, uh oh, so like the watermelon he's talking about. I don't know. All, all I wanted you to know is that Chris Webb wanted a zapped finale. Or he uses the webbing to like take women's dresses off. And he says, but... go back to the dance. So he wanted a zapped finale. I'm just telling you. Yeah, he'd go back but, to the dance after the plane fight, but he doesn't. For you, Kelly. He, hates, he hates people. Zapped all right, finale. Dingus, what is your third? Oh, no, Kelly Wan, no, no. what is your third? Yeah. Yeah, what is your third favorite switcheroo in a movie? That's what this week's topic is. And the police, Kelly Wand, are on duty. They're doing no, that's, uh, that's pretty... no, they're doing spot checks. They're they're checking IDs. They're uh, checkpoints out there. So I be careful. My list is rock solid, but I predict there's at least one listener submission where you'll go, no. <laughs> that's not how the police sound, but okay. <laughs> what a switcheroo is. <laughs> they're clones and prestige. Uh my number three is uh, here's a quote from it. Cute as a Chinese baby. Yeah. Wow. Ah, wah, ah, wah. I do not know the movie from that. Oh, it's from uh, Heist, the Gene Hackman, David Mamet movie. That's why they call it money. 
<sighs> That's what they call money. Uh, Dingus's least favorite line. Everybody wants some. That's why they call it. Why they call it money? Why they call it? That's why they call it pork because everybody wants some. It's yeah, it works rich. too, Dingus. Yep, that's why they call it pork. Uh, Kelly, one. What's the what's the switcheroo? Oh, you don't remember it? It's. Uh, uh, I don't actually because I hate that movie so much. But let's hear it. Really, I love it. Uh, there's a thing yeah. about gold, and it's it's in it's hidden in some boat uh, planks, and then um, he has like. He sends his girlfriend to sleep with the bad guys, and then she winds up joining the bad guys secretly. And then at the end, he's in a truck, and then they, the girlfriend and the guy hold up go, okay, that's the gold there in the trunk. We're taking it. And then he's all, oh, really? And he seems kind of bummed. And then after they drive off, he like gets in a truck, and he's pulling out of the parking garage and then it like scrapes some of the pipes in the back of the truck he's driving and then like some of the paint comes off you see like he's got the cold and then he kind of smiles and then he leaves so he's what did they get like what did he he switches the gold out with just an empty car for them or what he puts Wait, something the in there and... gold colored or something i think so there's gold in the back of the other car no so i don't think kind of making them... me think of tire ha- uh, tower house Tower house. Tower heist. Tower heist. <laughs> oh right, because the gold's at the sports car or something. Because the car's the car's made of gold, isn't it? Right. Uh, oh. All right, it so heist. gold swapped out into and something about a truck with a suspension. Pipes. Sure. Gold is tough on. Right. Good. David Mamet. Yeah. Number three. <laughs> Dingus, what is your third favorite? switcheroo i already know what at least one of yours is so is it number three or is it number two or number one let's find I out love, if it's number three i love david mamet yeah yeah entourage that's how people david think of them um so number three is here's a quote from it uh-huh. now finally neil take my hand and swear eternal loyalty well it's not the one that i know you're gonna pick your Highness. Uh, the last part of that quote would be to Zod. Oh, Superman switches something. Oh, that's a good one. All right, so here's one. here's the other quote. This is from Gene Hackman. He switched it. He did it to them. The lights were on out here. Well, he was safe in there. So the switch is switching the Fortress of Solitude power um, so that he can take away their power and he can be safe. So that's the switcheroo where you think Superman is uh, has agreed uh, in order to save Lois Lane um, and capitulate. He's agreed to capitulate to them, but really he switched the power sources uh, from in his Fortress of Solitude, so that his little chamber is the protective place and everything else is not. So their power gets switched out. And it's and where it so, even throws Terrence Stamp in a chasm or something. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> he, he comes out, he kneels before Zod, and then he crushes his hand. And then, and then what was, you're a pain in the neck, and then she punches the girl. Right. It's, and the, <laughs> really? That's her, yeah. that's her, her quip? My audience clap. Yeah! yeah. I thought, I, watching that again, I thought it was totally going to be her saying the word bitch, but it was, you're a pain in the neck. And yeah. then the, uh, the, big do, the big guy who can't speak just 
tries to fly uh, and fall, just falls into the castle. Uh, it's like, I'm going to fly. Uh, and he just falls. It's really anticlimactic. But I really love that switch. I remember as a kid watching Superman 2 and loving that and being totally surprised by it. Because yeah, Superman love- goes into there and, and you think, Superman's losing his powers. What's going to happen yeah. to Superman? Um, but for me, that's that. in uh, part of what I was looking for were movies that actually use the word switch as well in those scenes. Uh, I didn't succeed with all three, but um, I did succeed with this one. I really loved, I loved that reveal as a kid going, oh man, he totally switched the power sources. I, I loved it too, because it's like, he, he didn't just do that. He outsmarted the world's smartest man. So he's really, he really is a super bad. He used his brain to outwit Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah, and Lex, Lex, Luthor's Lex Luthor was like, going to do. They he, fell into our that, trap. They totally yeah. fell into our trap. Yeah. So that's good. Because it made me go, oh, Superman really is heroic. He did something smart, but he's not just a doofus. And then he and then the other movies all happened. But whatever. He had one smart moment. All right. Um, Superman do, do you accept that? Or am no, I no, yeah, to... absolutely. That's a good one. Because I think I vaguely remember. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's thing is I generally trust you. If you accept yourself, right. I will accept it. Generally. Huh. We'll, wow. we'll find out. And you I have know to accept you're yourself one. before you can accept who you want to be. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a coming of age lesson. Uh, you, I know what your number one or number two is, though. Oh, you and, do? Yeah, huh. yeah, absolutely. Can I tell? Should I like tell you the letter? I think it's going to begin with. Yeah, go ahead. M. Oh, All Mission right. Impossible, the floppy yeah, disk. On, stop. No guesses. Oh, okay. All right. so I'm just putting out that prediction. You guys will see it comes true. Dingus says number one or number two will begin with the letter M. My third favorite switcheroo, this movie's full of them, because uh, basically the whole, a whole series of switcheroos is the centerpiece of this movie where uh, shopping bags have to get switched around. Uh, and it's the middle of Jackie Brown where yeah, yeah. he's setting up. And Jackie Brown is so good at this like 3D chess. The, one of the really cool things about the movie <laughs> is that at every moment you think – She's she's two steps ahead of everyone else, even the audience. Like during one of the switcheroos, she looks like she's in a panic, like something screwed up. And you're like, oh, God, what happened? What? And then you later find out she was just putting on an act because she knew she was being watched by the police. But Pam Greer is so cool in this movie. And she you know, you think Superman is smart. She would be two steps ahead of Superman if she was in Superman, too. Like that's how that's how uh, 3D chess she is. So all the switcheroos in the middle, I especially love. So the specific switcheroo is there's half a million dollars in a shopping bag that she is supposed to hand to Bridget Fonda. <laughs> and Bridget Fonda and Robert De Niro are going to pick it up. And they're gonna, but instead, she gives Bridget Fonda a bag full of romance novels, paperback romance novels. The one on the top is called Short Blade. Uh, and I tried to read the little tagline, but it's just, you know, bodice ripping on the top of it. So uh, when Robert De Niro, who is so hilarious in this, like Robert De Niro and Jackie Brown is like a dumb, loyal dog. Like the way he looks at and listens to Samuel L. Jackson, it's kind of endearing, actually. But like a dumb, loyal dog, if you taunt it enough, it will bite you. And when Bridget Fonda is just needling him because he can't find where the car is and they've just got this mutual loathing going and he just shoots her, he is carrying around under his arm a bag full of romance novels. And I love that he thinks he's got a half million dollars under there. They're just romance novels. Oh, man, that's so great. I love that pick. And he's – I forgot this too. Like I, I knew it was coming, but oh my – his death is just awful because he – 
he genuinely like he he's completely loyal to Samuel L. Jackson's character. And mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson is just so put out that he lost a half a million dollars and that now he knows he might get arrested and he just in cold blood just shoots him. It's really harsh. Uh, well, uh, but Nero shot Bridget Fonda over uh, <laughs> a trifling. <laughs> the whole thing, too, is their, their, their conversation, too, when he's explaining to Samuel L. Jackson, her name is Melanie, that he had to shoot Melanie. And Samuel yeah. L. Jackson is like, what? Why didn't you just hit her? And he's like, well, yeah, at the time I couldn't. That didn't seem right. Yeah. <laughs> about that remember when he finds the car after he shoots her and he looks back at her body like see ah, i told you no exactly <laughs> see it's right what i thought it was yeah, yeah he it. like he's worthy argument jackie brown is so good because quentin tarantino gets out of the way of himself i mean i love yeah. good quentin Tarantino. he just so can trip up on himself with stuff like django unchained and even as much as i love inglorious bastards uh he just stumbles over himself and he just gets out of the way in jackie brown and it's just all the actors, and I don't. I presume a lot of it comes from Elmore Leonard's book, uh, but just the dialogue in that, it just doesn't feel like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Which it really is, doesn't. You're right, yeah. Uh, Michael Keaton, by the way, also, it's really fun seeing uh, a down-to-earth cop guy who's kind of out of his <laughs> element. Robert Forrester. Uh, at, at the end, he feels a pulse with his thumb. And oh, you know no, you can't do that. Because you got a vein in there, and you'll hear, you'll feel your own thumb, your own uh-huh. pulse going. So he's a, he's an inept cop, it turns out. Hey, you're right. Uh, also, Tiny Fister is in it. He plays Robert Forster's uh, partner at the bail bonds place. Wait, who uh, did you a, say? I didn't hear uh, what you said. Timothy Tiny, no, Tim Tiny Lister. Timothy Tiny Lister. And then oh, his okay. name he's like a guy. He's a big old huge black guy who looks just like a, an imposing Hulk. But the fundamental quality about him is he like he's a super nice guy. So he's he's like Robert Forster's helpful uh, co-bailed uh, bail bondsman who helps him at the end of the movie. But he's also the guy in Dark Knight who plays the prisoner who eventually throws the button out of the window on the Give me right. that. And you think he's a big, huge, hulking black guy, and yeah, he's ready to kill people. But when he throws the window out, you're like, yeah, of course. That guy looks like really nice. Like, that that makes sense. Uh, I love Tiny Lister. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. uh, Kelly Wan, what do you think about – so we've had uh, uh, bad teachers. Uh, uh, we had bad moms with the bad hilarious – Goodness, bad grandpa. What do you think about Pam Greer and Florence Henderson in Bad Grandmas? Florence Henderson? the thing it is on the way is it is it the same universe as bad grandpa like I assume they, they're all uh, okay. universe right like aren't they are all I the bad they, people <laughs> we'll start having yeah bad shared bad universe. santa bad santa that that's the one who started it yes it's it's the, uh, it's uh, the, like avengers BC, it's the bcu yeah the bad cinematic <laughs> universe <laughs> right right and they just form out an avengers group uh, Pam Greer cannot play a grandma. I'm sorry. She's just too uh, – well, you know, I guess Jackie Brown is 20 years old. Maybe in the last 20 years she's she could play a grandma. I got baked and, and bored, and I watched uh, The Black Hole, um, and Robert Forster's the male lead in that movie. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. How about those sets, yeah. by the way? I know. <laughs> how about those robots? How about the everything in it? The fucking plot? That's back when – this is – this is, right, this is 
This is concurrent with Alien. This is concurrent with Alien, and to shoot inside a spaceship, they're basically just in a giant soundstage. Like, that's yeah. their conception of what a spaceship looks like, with the big cardboard sides with a few blinking lights in them. Yeah. Star Wars really did ruin movies. And Alien. Black Hole. Yeah, but Alien looks good, and Black Hole, like, the effects are garbage. They right. look like shit. Everything looks like shit. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 I was I was surprised. I mean, plus, really, I think we've been spoiled by Interstellar because now we all know what a black hole really looks like. And what it does. <laughs> Man will save us. Is there Probably any good watch- voice acting in there? In, in, in Black Hole? Yeah. I don't think the robots talk. They don't talk, actually. Yeah, they do. They don't? Maximilian doesn't talk, and then there's a guy named Maximilian, the actor. It's a little confusing. And then they turn into this each other in hell at the end. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. (laughs) Turns him into hell. I remember buying the novelization of The Black Hole by Alan Dean Foster just to read the ending and go, wait, what happens when they go? What? Heaven and hell? Who? And I still like the in the end of the book, still like, all right, I don't think you know. Well, yeah. Kelly won that. Yeah, that was their 2001. That's what they had no. to do. With, yeah. For Disney. Yep. But the reason I, I, I thought about that is is we didn't ever talk about who Suit Lady was, and I think Chris <sighs> Webb brought that up. Do you remember uh, who that was? I didn't know, but I looked it up afterwards. I, did you know during the movie, Dingus? Because I was thinking, I need no, to look up who's no. Karen. I had no idea. Okay. The... Yvette Mimu in the black hole is telepathic and she's she can telepathically uh, give orders to the robot, by the way. <laughs> she can read the robots. <laughs> That's fly. how you run robots. I didn't realize that. And Ernest Borgnine's in it as a traitor. Uh, Kelly oh, my the, leg's broken. I gotta go. Oh. The, hey, what? The, the suit lady in um, Spider-Man oh. Homecoming uh, yeah. is a woman who is naked in – what's that Don Johnson – movie based on the Jim Thompson novel. The hottest the hot spot? Hot spot. Hot spot, yes. There's a the lot of naked ladies in it. Really? Wait, there's not one that stands out for you. Madsen? Please. Connolly. Yeah. Yep. Wait, Connolly's the suit lady? Yep. Huh. Alright, uh, I gotta go back and rewatch it. Are you sure? <laughs> well the according to the credits in IMDB, yeah. Jennifer I mean, Connolly is in Spider-Man? All She's right. now a voice actress, yeah. Huh. Uh, I've been on a Dario Argento kick recently. I watched Suspira, Suspiria. Uh, I also watched a movie he made called Phenomena. Have you heard of this, Kelly Wand? No, I only know the John Travolta one. <laughs> oh, God. That's Phenomenon. This is, I think, yeah. a Phenomena. Uh, it's, it's Jennifer Connelly. Like it's got, I don't know if it's pre-Labyrinth or post-Labyrinth, but it's right around Labyrinth. Like She's super young. It's a little teenage Jennifer Connelly. She can uh, command insects with her mind. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, and she uses this insect command to fight a murderous, deformed child. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Phenomenal. She's like Willard. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Kelly Warren. She's like <laughs> Willard her. meets Friday the 13th. Versus the Omen. With the swarm, exactly. Right. Yeah. Versus Ant-Man. Ant-Man can command. Ah, right. Very good, Dingus. Yes. He can, can command. Spider-Man command spiders? That was one of the questions. Yeah. Mm. That's what Chunk should have asked him. Chunk. What Dingus, else can you do? What is your oh. second favorite scene <laughs> in a movie? Wait, it's me, fool. Uh, by dingus, I meant Kelly Wand. What is your second favorite switcheroo <laughs> in a movie? I'm switching who's doing the next 
Ah, pick. See, wish for me. Yeah. I'm gonna do a quote from it. Yes. Well, I'm not an aardvark, and I am not a gorilla. Wow. Really? This is a movie you guys made me see. I thought you'd know it. Mordecai? No. Did you? By the way, have you seen Shimmer Lake or Mordecai yet? I started Shimmer Lake and then I fell asleep, but it was good. And then. all right, you still got homework. Okay, so this I don't I don't think I have a lot to watch right now. Thing is, yes. what do we make him watch that had aardvarks and what was the other thing? A gorilla? Yeah, aardvarks and gorillas. I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, I did, it, we must have told you. To he's see not something. doing a quote though. He just does obvious like this is what's happening in the movie. Oh, I bet you're right. Kelly, are you more concerned with the experiences that me and your Ethan shared, or are you more concerned with what I know about the experiences that you and my Ethan shared? Well, it's obviously a Mission Impossible. Oh! <laughs> I'm never quite sure what that means. <laughs> That's your version of... Yeah, it means he's sexually excited. Well, yeah. it's what you did. I That's swear to God, it was, it's, it was your imitation of Benedict Cumberbatch in Black Mass. That's where it all started. Hmm. Okay. All right, but I don't know what this Aardvark Gorilla movie is. You're going to have to enlighten us. The movie made me watch called The One I Love with Marty Plass. Oh, and oh. oh my God. Ding- oh, Dingus, wow. he's got a great one. <gasps> Kelly Wan might have trumped us. Wow. Love it. I love that switch. And it's a really subtle one. Although you guys may have to help me remember what the last line of the movie is. Because it's, wow. sort of, it's sort of revealed that there was a switch. And like a look on someone's face. I don't think you but, should give that away. All right, I won't. That, that's good. I'm glad I don't remember it better. So I would like people to see this movie. Oh, good. Yeah, see the one yeah, I love. Really? Yeah. It's the rich man's future world switch. Oh, I should shut up. Oh, no, very good. If yeah, you want yeah. to talk about it, I mean, talk about what you liked about no, it. It's just great. I just think, because it's purely character-based, and you can argue whether it's an intentional switcheroo or not, and, and whose intention it was. Um, but it's it's uh, it's good. It's a subtle, and it's the way it's. I love it. It's my one of my. It's maybe the best reveal of a switcheroo, because it's like something. It's just like a stray line, and then a look, and then the end. No, that's a great one, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's too vague and being too revealing. But that's my number two. The one I love. Second best switcheroo in movies. So the the guy who directed it, his name is Charlie McDowell. He just did his follow up movie to the one I love is called uh, The Discovery, and it's where uh, I'll just give you the premise. It's not very good, unfortunately. Uh, Robert Redford is a scientist who has discovered evidence of life after death, right? Like he's doing brain research and he stumbles across. Oh, this evidence. I wanted to watch this a little bit. Yeah, and and what happens in the wake of that is that around the world, people then start deciding. Oh, well, you know what? Fuck life. I'm just going to go ahead and kill myself. And right. like suicide rates start spiking, and it's about you know how does he feel about the fact that he's causing people to kill themselves with this discovery. It's a very high-concept movie that I don't think quite pans out, uh, but has an interesting premise to start with. I think that would really happen, but the guy would have to be really convincing. Like, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, these days, too, like considering how people will deny things that are in the media, like I can't imagine but, anybody these days believing something they didn't already want to believe uh, yeah. as far as like people at large. Well, yeah. 
All right, so uh, now, Dingus, I'm switching Sorry. back. What is your second favorite switcher? I want to do one now that Kelly did that. That was a just, good just one. Just steal Kelly's. All right. Uh, my number uh, one's the same as Tom's. Uh, you're not an aardvark. You're a gorilla. <laughs> uh, it's uh, uh, Husbands and Wives. Because Judy Davis is that thing with the woodchucks and the fox or whatever. Or hedgehog. No? Gina okay. Davis does, really? Not Julie Davis? No, Judy. Right, so, right. Uh, here's a quote from my uh, second pick. Uh, you got another cute bugger like this one? I like to stick them all in a row on my control panel. Oh, oh, of course. I've, oh, my God, of course. Dadgummit. I was even like looking at, okay, what movies have I really loved lately? Chappie? No, Kelly Wan, you know what? You're not eligible. Kelly Wan didn't like this movie enough. No, he so. didn't. Yeah, this is a good one, Dingus. Dad gummit. Oh, because it's so cute and it's referenced, like in the sequel and stuff. All right. Right. That, and nice so one. the actual word that's used is when uh, when he says uh, he's going to be so pissed when he finds out I switched out the orb <laughs> on him. <laughs> I still don't know what it is. Because right. it's such a, it's such a MacGuffin thing. Like it's just a standard old MacGuffin, and the way they yep. play with it, it's just so cute. Yeah. adorable. Here, can I give Kelly Wand a line from the sequel and see if he at least gets this? Oh yeah, go ahead. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, what movie does Kelly Wan think that's from? Triple X. Mary Poppins is cool. <laughs> you it's... look like Mary Poppins. Is Mary Poppins cool? Yeah. Oh, is this oh, a Mary Transformers Poppins, movie? Oh, my God. Oh, God. I can't believe this is happening. Uh, Dingus, uh, disabuse him of his notions quickly. All right, this is from the original Guardians of the Galaxy, or Guardians of the uh, Galaxy yeah, Volume yeah, yeah. 1. And this is the swap out from the orb with a troll doll so that Yondu gets a troll doll when he's on his ship and his whole crew is just laughing their heads off and of course the uh, the actual orb that has the infinity stone is being taken to um, Glenn Close for her to keep it in safety I think it is a mild career miracle that the guy who was introduced to us as Henry from Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, would become this lovable avuncular figure. Yeah. Uh, just as an actor. I mean, even even what they did with him, of course, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. But just Michael Rooker is just such a lovable goofball, even though he still played like the, you know, Daryl's evil racist older brother in Walking Dead. But he's just such a lovable goofball, that guy. Yeah, he seems to – I don't – I keep thinking that he stumbled into it, but may, maybe he's just a nice guy. I don't know. Yeah. Because I feel I like, like on a podcast Chris. where he seems to be kind of clueless and weird but funny. Um, but well, I, does, I like the way you put that. He does have a great face. Like if you just look at him, uh, he's got like, – like by the way, Martin Landau when he was young. Like looking at pictures of Martin Landau's mm. face, like there's something almost – almost grotesque but beautiful about Martin Landau's face that he preserved through the years. There's a little bit of that like in in Michael Rooker maybe. I don't know if it's something in the lips, but uh, yeah, he's, he's just got a, a distinctive face. He's got a great face for acting. Space 1999, it's just right. him go, making that face the whole series. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, just, I just always think of him in uh, North by Northwest. And, and right, how right. Stern, Stern uh, right. And how he yeah, talks about He said in interviews that he intended that character to be gay, which is pretty... Uh, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, that's interesting. 
And I just watched Crimes and Misdemeanors recently, so I'm particularly hard hit today because I love that movie so much. And I thought that was my that was my favorite performance that year. Um, and I, when I uh, George, Romero. George Romero. George Romero. George yeah. Romero. Uh, yeah. right. So I, you know what? In their honor, I'm going to change my number two and number one pick to a Martin Landau and a George Romero movie. What? Uh, no, I don't think I can come up with that time. Yeah. Here's my number two pick. Uh, the switcheroo is the song "The Bandstand Boogie." <laughs> this has got to be one of those pitch perfect Star Trek adventures. <laughs> really, Kelly Wand? <laughs> really? That's my theory. I'll give you this line. I present this in the hopes that our great nations may live in peace. Election. Oh, that's my number one, too. That's my number one, too. You know what's so great? Because it, it's it's an end-of-the-world switcheroo. No, I disagree. Like... Very good. Well, go ahead, because I, I rewatched it. Go, go ahead. Explain. Cause I, I what explain. movie are you guys talking about, please? The thing is, it's a little movie that you weren't cool enough to watch when you were that age called Escape from New York. Good mm-hmm. luck. So uh, the snake plane, the president, of course, the president's Air Force One, the pl- his plane has crashed into the prison island of Manhattan, uh, and Snake Plissken is sent in to get him out of there because he's supposed to be at the Hartford Summit, which is peace talks. There's apparently a war going on with China and Russia, and there are peace talks, and he's got a tape that he's going to deliver at these peace talks, and he needs to get there within 24 hours. So Kelly Wand, explain what happens to this tape and why you think it's the end of the world. Uh, at the end. Uh, Snake Plissken is watching Donald Pleasance get shaved for his interview and his face shaved also and goes, hey, a lot of people die trying to save you, Mr. Pleasance. What are, hey, that's not the Snake that. Plissken voice. That's not how Plissken talks. Well, you know what I say when it's military. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. All right, let's go. Uh, a lot of people died in the process. I want to know how you feel about that. What if no you feel about that? Well, I'm grateful to them for their sacrifice. Now get out of my light or something. No, he's basically like, you know, if you'll excuse me, I'm I'm about to go live. Is there anything else I can help you with? Yeah, he, he, yeah. Does, he wants to, he wants him to be downwind. <laughs> so dingus, getting in with some big tall and little China references. Nice dingus. Uh, All right, so Kelly Wan, so so what? Big deal. So then he's going to go on uh, on camera and present the tape. So what is that? What's the big deal? So then Sylvester Stallone, I mean, Snake Plissken, switches the atomic. The only thing we know about what's on this tape is when Lee Van Cleef goes, do you know anything about nuclear fusion? Cold, or Yeah, yeah, nuclear fusion, right. I wrote, and yeah. then Snake Plissken likes, oh, okay, I get what's on this audio cassette. And then he switches it out for uh, cabbies. Uh, da 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 music that he likes to listen to. Man, I totally forgot all this. The the tape is supposed to be about nuclear fusion. Yeah. yeah. So the the uh, the thing is, he's got to go in to get the president, and the president has a briefcase chained to his arm. And part of the action of the back and forth that John Carpenter does is he rescues the president, but then the briefcase is gone. Like there's a MacGuffin with the president, and it's just this tape that he's got to get out. Uh, and so they rescue the president, but the tape is gone. And Harry Dean Stanton says, uh, you know, you have to take me with you, Snake. And, and Snake is only looking out for himself. He's like, no, screw you. I'm just going out with the president. And Harry Dean Stanton says, oh, that tape you need, I know where it is. If you bring me with you, we'll go get it. I'll tell you where it is. But Harry Dean Stanton is just bluffing. He has no idea where it is. So when they get in the car, 
uh, and Snake says, okay, where's the tape? And it's time for Brain to basically confess that he has no idea. Ernest Borgnine is saying, oh, that tape? Yeah, I have it. I traded it for Romero. I gave Romero my hat. And you've seen the, the weird Romero guy wearing Cabby's hat. He said, I traded my hat for it. And he's got the tape there. So Ernest Borgnine <laughs> just happens to have the tape that Harry Dean Stanton promised he would go get. And he had no idea where it was. <laughs> I don't remember this part. Yeah. So that's Why does he want the tape? Why does who want it? Why does there just Borgnine want a tape about nuclear fusion to listen to? Oh, he doesn't know what it is. He just is collecting cassette tapes. He just he likes listens, audio cassettes. Yeah, yeah. He listens to music, and he's he's even you know when he when we first are introduced to his character, he's just a guy who drives his cab around New York out of habit, listening to music, and he's got his cassette yeah. player. Yeah. So he's just trading for tapes. Yep, I like a lot of things. Yeah. And then the last shot, Dingus is Snake Plissken tearing out the tape as he smokes a cigarette, and walks off. Screen. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I just didn't remember why. The tape was important because it seems pretty silly to put something important on. I know. Well, not only that, but put, it, put something important about it and then put it on television. Like, okay, I'm going to play an audio. The president's going to play an audio cassette for you <laughs> on this to stop a nuclear war. Well, it's not on. Te- oh, is it on television or is it just being broadcast to the summit? Why is I mean, it also? It's also yeah. being broadcast to the summit because here's the right. deal. There are actually two references to the tape because I rewatched this as well. Uh, Lee Van Cleef says, do you know anything about nuclear fusion? And Snake is just like, eh, whatever. And they just move on the conversation. But later on, it's explained that the secret of nuclear fusion is on the tape. I think Brain is like, why is this tape a big deal? Uh, and Snake Plissken says, you know anything about the secret of nuclear fusion? And Brain is like, oh. So that is specified as well, that it's the secret of nuclear fusion. Oh, okay. And uh, he is going to offer this. Donald Pleasant is going to offer this to the Chinese and the Russians in hopes of peace. That he's going to share this presumably energy technology with them, right? So you would think, okay, well, the talks are going to crumble and the world's going to be plunged into war, right? Like that's the thinking. Right, uh, Kelly? Is yeah, it- no, that sounds right. But here's the deal, as Dingus noted. Well, what's the big deal? I mean, it's not like that was the only copy of it. Yeah. They're just going to say, look, we're going to share with you the secret of nuclear fusion. Uh, it got lost when the president's plane crashed. Let us get you another copy from the lab. Like, that. that's no. Like, I understand that Carpenter wanted this super hard bitten, yeah, fuck the world ending. But when you think about it, what they're just going to get another copy of the tape. Like that wasn't the only copy. There's, it's in a lab somewhere. All Donald Pleasance has to do is say, uh, "I promise we have it. Stand by. It's going to be a delay." But wait, we'll- it has to be the only copy, and that's why they're so concerned about that it. Is they never would just said. go fuck the print. No, I know it's not. But I would think there's no transcript. Oh, Nobody no, no, wrote no, no. this down. Right. So here's the deal is the president has to get has to the summit is going to end in 24 hours, and that's oh. the point. The Chinese and the Russians are going to go home. And he has to and he's showing up at the summit to deliver the tape, to deliver the secret of nuclear fusion on this audio uh, tape. So Lee Van Cleef is basically saying, get us the tape as well. So the president shows up. OK, he doesn't have the tape. He accidentally is now playing bandstand boogie to the Russians and the Chinese. But why can't he just say, look, I've been bamboozled. Snake Plissken pulled Snake a Plissken switcheroo probably. on me. Yeah. I'll give you the real thing in a minute. Sake. Yeah, exactly. I lost a finger. Come on. I've got PTSD. I just blew away Isaac Hayes. Give me a break. We'll get you the secret of nuclear fusion in just a minute. They put a wick on me. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, I am so incensed because I didn't remember the, the specifics. Escape from L.A. is just the same yeah. crap over and over again, the same ending. There's a box where you can press a button, and it turns off all the power in the world. Right. 
Yeah, Why? and he, he switches that button out, and it's the same thing at the end. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not giving you the button. I'm going to just take it. Then he goes, uh, welcome to the human race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, the bit so he's a hero. So that's clearly what John Carpenter okay. intends, that he's kind of a fight club ending, that he's plunging the world into apocalypse. But as Dingus first one. asks, it just makes no sense. What's the big deal with the tape? Just say, China, Russia, you know what? Snake Plissken's a jerk. Okay, A, I like it. That way, like I like the fact that it doesn't really make sense. But also, I prefer to think in my own uh-huh. world uh, that the Russians and Chinese get really incensed that the president is right. trolling them, and they go, "Fuck it, nuclear war!" Right, and that's what Nick Pliskin wanted after all. So. Unfortunately, Kelly Wan, we know Ghost. from Escape from L.A. that did not happen. Not canon. Not I canon. <laughs> Wait, did you not say they're at the UN? No, it's called the Hartford Summit. Those, that's the term. Oh, okay. That would have been funny, though, if, it, if the UN's in New York and they... I want you to go back in, bring the president. It's, by the way, in the same building Duke was in. If you should take this tape player, it's the last tape player left in America. Only one. Cassette. All right, so Kelly Wan, that was your uh, favorite... Yeah, uh, I've got one that's better, but uh, that's a nice number one. Very good. So that was my my second really? favorite switcheroo. Guess so, Dingus, it is time for you to tell us the name of a movie. Give us a quote from a movie that begins with the letter M. Uh, this this movie does not begin with the letter M. I what? disagree Do you with know the what very I'm idea about? that that. Yeah, I don't think that's a switcheroo. Oh, because I, I don't I don't think you can follow that plot anyway. So you could just guess it's a switcheroo, and you might be right. Well, I don't know if we're talking about the same letter M movie, but we'll find out. Uh, is, this there, movie, is there a ship that hands, is there a ship that Han Solo flies that is named that's name is reminiscent of this movie? What? <laughs> All right. Boy, am I confused. Well, really? Wait, really? the Feral Lad movie, Millennium? <sighs> Maltese Falcon. I was sure Dingus. Oh was no, no, I wasn't going to pick Maltese Falcon. Because you find out that it's the fake. All right. Well, never it's mind. Fake, yeah. There's only one. There's no, no scene where you switch. I thought, I thought you were talking about Midnight Run because the discs at the oh. end are really switched. Oh, yeah, I never would have remembered that. Okay. Every movie has they're, a switcheroo. They're just fake. They're not, it's not a switcheroo. It's just. All right. Well, sorry. Yeah. So, okay. So, go ahead, Bingus. What's one that's better than Maltese Falcon? <laughs> All right. Here it is. Uh, here's a quote from it. I would have taken a bullet for you. I know what this is. I just can't think of it. Uh, Lord of the Rings. There's no bullets in Lord of the Oh. I thought crossbows <laughs> shoot bullets. It's called a bolt. It does 1d4 damage. Duh. Uh, listen to you. So Bing Rames says this line. It's from the movie Dave. Oh. Uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Is this big shit? What? No, get a load what? of this. Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, Kelly, get a load of the... I... You know what you're doing, I think you're doing. Well, the movie Dave, just the whole premise. Well, go ahead. Yeah, the whole premise of the movie is that um, – so Kevin Klein plays two characters. And one of the things I love about all of the Spider-Man movies is that they bother to give Peter Parker two credits uh, or to give the character, the actor playing Peter Parker, two credits. He's Peter Parker and he's Spider-Man, just in case you didn't know. Hmm. Uh in all of those movies, they give, they give him two credits. Um, so in the movie Dave, Kevin Klein gets two credits. He plays Dave Kovic, and he plays Bill Mitchell. Bill Mitchell being the president of the United States, who's a, a super big jerk. And um, 
has uh, a major stroke while he's cheating on his wife and he's president of the United States. Dave Kovic is a dude who is an actor who also uh, runs an employment agency for people. And one of the things that he does is he uh, impersonates the president of the United States like it, uh, like at a used car lot to uh, for like a big promotion. Uh, he's really good at impersonating the president of the United States because he looks just like him. Uh, and he's really good at his impression of the president of the United States. So when Bill Mitchell has this major stroke, uh, the Secret Service comes and gets Dave and brings him to the White House and says, we need you just to fill in for the president. Uh, we often have this happen. We have a double co- go in for him. Well, actually, it's before the stroke happens. He, he he does this before that. But he's so good at it that when the stroke actually happens, they go back and get him and say, okay, um, we're going to need you to do this long term. <laughs> and so the switcheroo is having Dave uh, pretend to be the president when the president is actually in a coma. Kelly Wan, do you think that he should be – Dingus should be uh, investigated for that or arrested or <laughs> – uh, I wasn't really listening, but yeah, <laughs> sounds like. Oh, really? You think you think that there's some malfe- malfeasance here? Yeah, that's not the same. It's not a switcheroo. You got to have like a switch. Let's see. Well, what? So. Yeah, they, you're watching they, the president on TV. One day it's Billy Mitchell. The next day it's Dave Robert, whatever his last name was. That's a switch. Your your president you were looking at just got switched. Okay, yeah. let him out. <laughs> I never, I never imprisoned him. I didn't even press oh. charges. I didn't okay, even, uh, I didn't even impanel a grand jury. All take that his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Go to his house and take the summons back from him. My favorite switcheroo. Oh, I think I know what it is. Really? Yeah. Wow. Give me the Can name, the letter that the movie name, the movie's name begins with. R. R or T, or M. T and then R. What about M and then colon and then T? M M two. All right. Isn't that what it is technically called? Or no? Is that is that is that a retconning thing like episode four? Force. Uh, I think it is right. Right. That's the that's the real thing. Do you think Dingus knows what we're talking about yet? No, he's dumb. I think he's ever seen it. No, I didn't. Dingus might have never watched this. All right, so Mission there, Impossible has a weird sort of colon thing going on, which is why I'm expecting. Yeah, so this is a sequel. There are these people who are holed up. Uh, it's basically like a siege, and the besiegers are circling them and won't let them loose. And they finally break out of the siege, and they bring their treasure. They have the the besiegers just want the treasure, so the person carrying the treasure out gets chased by the besiegers. Whereas the regular people just get away, just fine. But we find out at the end of the movie, the treasure was not with the guy who was supposed to be carrying the treasure. He was just a decoy. He was bait. He was sent out to distract the besiegers. They, They went after him while everybody else just slipped away, and the treasure was on the school bus with the kids anyway. So this is a road warrior. Which yeah. is technically Mad Max to the road. I actually think it's just the road wear. Um, uh-huh. But so it's it's the oil from the refinery. Uh, they need to get 200 miles to the north, 
to the I think it's called the not the happy place, but something like that. They're trying to get to the 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 last bastion of civilization that they've heard is in the north. This is the post apocalypse, uh, and they're in an oil refinery and they're going to need fuel to get there. So Max says, you know, I've I've got a truck. I've got this, you know, truck tr- tractor trailer, and it can pull the truck full of gasoline, and I'll get it for you guys. But then I'm out of here. So he gets it for him, and then he leaves. And this is so well. At first, I was like, "This is dumb." He leaves and just instantly gets his car trashed. Why did he not see that coming, Kelly? One, like, isn't that dumb? He's the hero of the story. He gets in the tractor trailer, then he gets in his car and just immediately, like, Wes hits his windshield and breaks it, and his car turns over. He gets his dog killed and everything. Isn't that dumb? What's the deal with that? Uh, It's a coming of age story. (laughs) What it is? I hate it when his Ford Mustang is trashed. It's a Ford yeah. Falcon, first of all. Uh, what it is is he has NOS. Like, he uses NOS to escape, and he figures he's going to do that this time, and it would normally work out fine, but Humongous has given that one of Humongous's buggies has NOS on it. That's uh, the one that chases him down. Max didn't realize that, and that's what I realized rewatching it is it's not just some dumb anticlimactic, it's not just some dumb thing where, oh, he gets. His car gets trashed. It's he didn't expect them to have NOS. His normal gimmick, which we saw him use at the first of the movie, doesn't work because they're using NOS as well. How so they know though that he was going to crash like the other besieged people? They don't. They don't. Oh, they figure like okay. they they figure they're getting ready. They're all set. By the way, this is one of the things I wondered. He brings them the tractor trailer, and they're like, "Hey, Max, we could use some, a guy like you. Why don't you come with us? Why don't you help us escape?" And he's like, "Nope." My deal was I just want fuel, and then I'm out of here because he's Australian. Uh-huh. And they're like, okay, fine. And the other besiegers are like, no, let's let's take him anyway. And and the main guy, his name is I think uh, Papa Gallo, says, nope, he's an honorable man. Let him go. And so they let him go, and he's going to ride off into the sunset. But nope, the other guys have NOS, so he gets totally screwed up. Gyro Captain, you know, he's all beat up. Gyro Captain picks him up and brings him back to the besiegers. And at this point, he's like, uh. Can I help you guys now? Can I come with you? And they're like, oh, really? Oh, now you've changed your mind, have you? Uh, oh. <laughs> but that's then, why he's mad. That's why he's mad. But then this is the thing I wondered, Kelly Wand. Is that do they then decide we're going to take the gas on the school bus and we're going to fill the tanker with sand and use Max as a decoy? Right. Or is that yeah, the plan they yeah. had all along? That's what's so great yeah. about that, I think. I think, unfortunately, I love the idea that they're willing to to do this. Unfortunately, that was the plan all along because they leave too shortly thereafter. They don't tell him. No, no, that's that's a good, that's a very good point, Kelly. Actually, they don't tell him. That is the point where he's kind of a dupe, and I love that, where he discovers it's the sand. Uh, And here's the point. I just wonder how you get that much sand in there. Hmm. Ask uh, Hayden Christensen. (laughs) (laughs) I hate gas. But yeah, I don't think it's uh, – uh, yeah, they, they clearly had this plan in mind, and Papagallo is going to probably drive the truck. Uh, but here's the thing, too, watching that, that movie. Uh, real quick, how long do you think that chase sequence is at the end? Fifteen minutes? Oh. Well, yeah, you're right. Because I thought it was uh. like a big, long part of the movie, but it's pretty short. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a wonderful payoff. That was wonderful. <laughs> Worst quiz ever. Uh, so rewatching the movie – when he's leaving, uh, how big do you think that glacier was in Antarctica that fell off? I don't know, Delaware. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, when he's leaving with his NOS and he's planning to get away, that makes perfect sense because he's got NOS. He can outrun. Stop humans. saying NOS. There's not NOS. What do you mean there's not NOS? NOS Isn't is that, uh, Fast and Furious. You really – so, Dingus, have you seen Road Warrior yet or you never have seen that? You still yes, have I've, never seen I've it? I've seen it. I've, oh, I've, okay. got some, I've got some words to say to you when you're uh, done talking. Get okay, so, he did, so, so at any rate, he uh, – it, it makes sense that he thinks he's going to use NOS to outrun Humongous' buggies and, and motorcycles and whatnot. But the chase during the end, I don't know what they're thinking. Like there's no way anybody on that truck was ever going to live. Like they, they just they're, – they're, it's a suicide mission is I guess what I'm saying. Uh, right. and, and it's not just Max. They don't just send him up there. They have Warrior Girl. They oh, have the guy okay. without the legs. Uh, Papa Gallo drives along in a, in, a, in a buggy. Like everybody who goes out with the tanker – they're losing By all the their way, dead weight. Not only are they going to die, they do die. Everybody dies who goes out with that tanker. Hmm. That's do just they a terrible Maybe they all know, though. Except I mean, no, they, don't, they obviously know. I mean, they just don't tell Max who's driving. Right. They don't tell him what the stakes are. And one of the cool things, too, is that I love, like, George. I, I, I just can't believe how just George Miller, first of all, Fury Road, if every other movie he made stank. I would still revere George Miller for Fury Road. But there's so much smart stuff in Road Warrior, and one of the things is this idea that the sand is in there, and not only does does Max get duped, we, the audience, get duped Mm. because we're expecting there's going to be – it's almost like the 22 Jump Street gag. We're expecting at the end there's going to be a huge explosion, (laughs) that there's going to be crazy pyrotechnics. We've just had this amazing 15-minute that feels like an hour chase sequence – and when the tanker starts to turn over, you're like, oh, my God, it's going to blow up. And it doesn't. We got tricked as well. Like just like Max thought there was fuel in there, we thought there was going to be a big explosion, and there wasn't. There's just sand pouring out of there. Only sand for you. Yeah. That's George Miller. Right, so you've finally seen Road Warrior. You can now participate in these discussions. Welcome. Yay. Uh, we, have a, we have a pretty good friend who every time we do a 3 by 3 when I put up the thread – He'll he'll just post one thing about Mad Max Fury Road. It's the only movie he cares about. His name's Mike Cathcart. The only movie he cares about is Mad Max Mad Max Fury Road. And by the uh, way, that's that's a perfectly valid stance to take on yeah, movie making. That's Cathcart fine. Wins. But I I threw down the gauntlet for him this week and I said, Hey, then you need to every time we have a three by three, ask what the topic is and give us a Mad Max Fury Road for every single topic we do from now on. All right, you what only, did he have? You only have to do one. Uh, he he tanked this week. Because um, <gasps> I could have uh, done that. Well, yeah. as soon as I said that, I thought about this movie. Uh, and it took me back uh, to right. um, when I was a kid. And uh, I used to, when I was in, uh, I think I was in middle school. Um, and I used to have to go to school early because my parents were both teachers and I had to go to my school early and one of my jobs at school was setting up the tables in the lunchroom and i did this with a friend of mine named brad and one of the things we did to amuse ourselves was talk about the movies that we saw over the weekend but we didn't just talk about them the task was to narrate the movie for the other person because at that point you know you're not going to be able to go home and watch a video of it necessarily so one of the movies uh, he did for me was Road Warrior, and I remember him talking about that last moment. I remember it so vividly, him talking about the whole movie and talking about that last moment when he holds his hand under 
and the sand is pouring out. Um, so uh, one of the things, one of the ones I did for him, and I know I've told the story before on the podcast, I think, was Escape from New York. And I got some of the details wrong about it, but I saw it on uh, a friend's Laserdisc player. <laughs> uh, and so I, I got to finally relate a cool movie to him, which I almost never got to do. Um, uh, but I remember that moment of, at least of him describing uh, the dude holding his hand and getting like sand pouring out of the tanker. That happens. Um, and I just love that. Did he simulate that. it with salt packets from the cafeteria? No, no. It, it, it was all oral tradition. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, when I was uh, uh, challenging my Cathcart, I immediately thought, well, if you can't do Fury Road, you'll be able to easily do uh, um, uh, the, this other Mad Max movie. So I'm really disappointed in Mike Cathcart, so I'm going to have to take up the slack for him this week. My favorite switcheroo is in Fury Road, where uh, Immortan Joe's wives are switched for graffiti. <laughs> they write, Switcheroo! Yep. They write, uh, we are not objects. Our babies are not for war. They write stuff like that, and then they leave. Right. And right. he's like, what? All right. Samson Shum says, uh, many came to mind. Here are the ones I picked. The Thomas Crown Affair. Dingus, you think he's talking about the original or the one that you like? Boy, I don't know. Not the original. No, 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 not the original, because the original isn't about a painting. Well, that's what uh, Samson Chum says, not the original. He says he's never seen it. But the remake with Pierce Brosnan. The original? Oh! I think Cash, maybe. I don't know. Thomas Crown donated a temporary replacement painting to a museum for a Monet that he stole earlier. At the mm-hmm. finale, he triggered the fire sprinkler in the museum to reveal that the replacement was actually the stolen Monet painted over with watercolor. It's no Mordecai. I'll just say that much. Yep. Number two. Oh, good Lord. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm sure this movie's great. I haven't seen it in forever, but I don't understand why people revere this movie. Shawshank Redemption. Andy Dufresne? Dufre, Dufresne? Dufresne, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's French. Not only performed the switcheroo with Wharton, Warden Norton's shoes. What? He also switched yeah. out his ledger and bank info with a Bible and other papers. That's pretty good. Okay. You should probably see that again, right? Yeah. Maybe I should just watch The Mist instead. No, you should watch uh, The Green Mile instead. That's the real brilliant movie. What's that that serious one with with Jim Carrey? Didn't he direct that one? The movie, the cinema thing. Jim Carrey. Oh, The Majestic. Isn't that him as well? Oh, The Majestic. I haven't seen that. Don't – by the way, don't watch The Green Mile. Okay, I won't. I'm not going to watch that or Shawshank Redemption. Okay, I didn't think so. Uh, number one, Guardians of the Galaxy, Peter Quill switches the Infinity Stone with a troll doll and handling Yondu. That is sweet. Samson Shum, thank you. Yay, Samson. Arthur Jilvalangelelli says, since you asked last week, my family has always pronounced it Jilvalangelelli, just like I said. Uh, he says he's not sure why he never included it before. He's sorry about that. It's phonetically pronounced Jinvalangelelli right there. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. We all love that one. 
Uh, and he says, what's great about the switch is Rooker's reaction. Oh, this is a very good point, Arthur. Yeah. He gives this great smile, whereas most similar switches in movies <laughs> result in rage or disbelief. That is what's so incredibly sweet about it. Yes, that it yeah. is this sweet smile, that reaction. That's yeah. a really good touch. I, I forgot that detail. I, I remembered the crew just laughing and um, uh, Sean Gunn laughing and everybody laughing. Because that is right. Normally you do the switch to enrage or befuddle or foil or trump someone. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. But he really, I mean, we find out that he really loves the guy. Yep. Yeah. See, uh, the second movie is, you have to see the second movie to fully appreciate the first one, basically. Yeah, good point. Uh, number two, this is a great one as well. I hadn't thought of this. Princess Bride. During their game of wits, Wally Sean gets Carrie Elway to look away for a second. Use the opportunity to switch the two glasses which they're going to drink from. I love this switcheroo because it accomplishes absolutely nothing right. because both glasses were poisoned. I forgot about that. That's hilarious. Well, see, when I made a little joke last week about can it be less than one, um, that was kind of – I was immediately thinking of this because oh. he's not switching anything. <laughs> right. Oh, very good, Dingus. There's no switch that's happening. Technically, yeah, exactly. Very good. Uh, I was going to try to get away with that, and I like that somebody did. Oh, here we go. Here's a good one. And you were probably thinking of this thing. Uh, God, I just remember uh, this. This is also making me sad. We lost Martin Landau. We lost George Romero. And now Arthur Jilvalangelalelli. Number one, after Philip Seymour Hoffman has kidnapped Michelle Monaghan and used her to force Tom Cruise to steal the rabbit's foot, he puts a gun to her head and demands Cruise give him the real rabbit's foot. Mm. Despite mm. Cruise's protest that he gave him the real rabbit's foot, Hoffman shoots Monaghan in the head. Ugh. It's only later we realize it wasn't Monaghan who was shot. It was a former head of security uh, with a fancy mask on. <laughs> Someone we don't care is dead. But just remember, like, that's that, – I mean, Mission Impossible 2, whatever. But Philip Seymour Hoffman as a villain. Three, right. As a villain. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, it's great. And also, I like that it was the opening of the movie, too. And I really liked it because it really was a, an impossible mission. Right, right. I, there's no way out of this. So, uh, Arthur says, technically, it was people, not objects. Arthur, that's fine. That totally works, as you see from some of our picks. Uh, in a cool subversion of the normal Mission Impossible mass tricks, it's the good guy who gets fooled by a switcheroo. Very good, Arthur. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Here's someone with a, a numeral in his or her name. I don't know how to say it, so I'm just going to say onerous. So it was, I think someone writing under his or her hacker name. Uh, and there's a zero where there should be an O. Uh, let's see. In these hard. choices, I've forsaken switcheroos that occur late in the third act. Okay. Hmm. And then he, he makes a jab at M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Uh. Shyamalan. Number three. During a battle of wits between the dread pirate Roberts and kidnapping mastermind Vizzini, a wine goblet spiked with poisonous Iocane. That's right. It's called Iocane. Is Iocane a real thing? It can't be. Is it a real thing? I hear uh, it's, it's in Australia, and it's mostly populated with criminals, so we can tell. Oh. I think it's quoting Princess Bride. Uh, right. Let's see. Promises one drink or a 50-50 chance of death. Um, after distracting, made you look, exclamation, Vizzini switches the goblets. The switcheroo here matters not at all. Princess Bride, 1987, in case people were wondering. Uh, okay, now this uh, – yeah, so Onerous is giving quotes. I don't quite know how to read the quotes, so I'm skipping them. Apologies. In a film fish filled with great switcheroos, 
long before the climax, we're treated to the look on Borden's face as he realizes he's on the wrong side of a live gun held by a rival magician and jeers. As Borden prepares the crowd for his bullet catch illusion and jeers disguised as an ordinary audience volunteer, messes with the trick gun and switches in an actual slug. He demands Borden tell him what happened on the night Angier's wife died. Because of an Ooh. earlier switcheroo, Borden can't be sure. Angier shoots him in the hand. This is from The Prestige, mm-hmm. which, as everyone knows, is uh, not as good as Interstellar. Uh, right? Well, it's a better explanation of science. Uh, from Iron Man 3 the Mandarin is a media savvy cross of Osama Bin Laden a Sunday preacher and an anti-capitalist hippie when Tony Stark breaks into the Miami mansion from where he broadcasts he learns that the face of the Mandarin is actually a slovenly English drunkard named Trevor Slattery and we the audience realize Ben Kingsley has the chops to play both a fearsome terrorist and a bumbling burnt out actor in the same film Mm-hmm. It's good. Uh, though, then Onerous says, the fact that self-proclaimed Mandarin fanboys hate this switch makes me cherish director Shane Black's execution even more. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is a good one. I, I like this, this one. switcheroo, though. Yeah, it's more like a – yeah, because nothing was – It's just impersonation. Yeah, just so uh, you're, you're very – actually very good. Uh, Onerous, I'm throwing you in prison. Uh, we don't have your real identity, though, so – uh, congratulations, you've eluded the law. Oh, no, you know what we're doing, Onerous? We are cutting out your number one and substituting in this runner-up because I like it. Though telegraphed from a good distance, the inadvertent switch of a collector's coin with a button leads to the titular fate for Christine Brown in Drag Me to Hell. Ah, that's good. That is a good one. So Onerous's number one is not Iron Man 3. It is Drag Me to Hell. See, is she crazy? She might be crazy, Tom. He also may. Oh, oh the, okay. Onerous. Oh, sorry. I hope. I, I apologize, uh, Francesco Petraca, for outing your hacker name. That's who this is from, not Onerous. It's actually signed. On Asshole Solo. Uh, can't be one. Uh, and uh, let's see, he mentions House of Games is also uh, a good uh, Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mammoths. Mammoths says. Alexander Burns says, hey, ding-dongs and Tom. I'm sure Kelly and a couple – no, didn't say that. Uh, I'm sure Kelly and a couple listeners are in jail. So far, no one yet, Alexander. So these switcheroos go out to those of you in jail. See you there oh. for some arbitrary rule. Uh-oh. He's calling oh, wow. out the law. He's challenging me. All right, drag me to hell, he says. He's so right away – team Captain America. Uh, yeah, who's on team Alexander? Uh, right away, uh, Drag Me to Hell is fine. Alexander, so far, so good. Uh, I think this movie is too old to be spoiled. That's okay. Um, Francesca already did it. Uh, but I'll let the chief of police decide. Uh, I couldn't revisit the movie, but apparently a bunch of horror snobs hate this movie and think the switcheroo is obvious and dumb. It surprised really? me, and I'll stand by it. Uh, I didn't get it. I mean, I, I there's a certain it's, – it's one of those things where there's a certain point, and this point – there's a certain stretch, like a continuum, a stretch of time. Over the course of this time, the director expects you're going to figure it out. It's not like there's any one aha no. moment. It's like the director knows you're going to figure it out, and then when it happens, the you're like, yes. going. So he's not trying to fool you. I don't think right. so, no. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. No, I think Sam Raimi knows at a certain point you're going to realize, and then, yep, sure enough, 
This is what happens to her. Yeah. Uh, Ronan, for number two, after the iconic car chase scene. Huh. I. I don't think I will accept iconic for the car chase scene in Ronan. I don't think it's good enough. I'm going to reject that. So I'm going to strike that word. Instead, Alexander Burton says, after the car chase scene, De Niro realizes the silver briefcase handed to him was switched because of all the silver paint on him and that he was betrayed. He tosses the fake silver car underneath the car and it explodes. What? <laughs> I, oh, because there's a bomb in it. Right. Uh, I enjoy this, far, this movie far more at age 31 than I did at 16. Hmm. Uh, he thinks he'll be in jail because the switcheroo happened earlier. That's okay. No, you're fine still, Alexander. Okay, Alexander has one more chance to get arrested. I don't think he's going to do it. The Sting. Uh-huh. Dang, does this classic movie hold up, Alexander says. Hmm. The switcheroo con in the beginning sets forth the events of this entire movie. When Redford slash Hooker switches out a handkerchief of money for a handkerchief of paper. Watching it last week, I forgot about the scene entirely and how this somewhat light con throws Hooker into a spiral of danger. The movie has a few more switcheroos, which are fun to see as well. One of my near-perfect movies. Besides besides the annoying soundtrack, Alexander Burns says. I want to murder that music. (laughs) Do you really? Is that – because I don't – here's my problem with The Sting. I wanted – when The Sting came out in theaters, I wanted to stay home and watch 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which was on like Disney's Wonderful World or whatever. They would have these Sunday night movies. My mom didn't – was worried I would have nightmares. She was probably right. So instead of letting me – because she knew if I stayed home, I was just going to raise hell all night. She was like, okay, I'm taking you out to a movie. She took me to see some dumb thing called The Sting that I hated because I wanted to be at home watching 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So to this day, I hate that music, but I think it's because of that. But other people hate it as well? I do. Wow, okay. It's just too much. Yeah. That's why my my son hated Manchester by the Sea. The music? (laughs) Oh, because you promised him uh, Doctor Strange, and then you dragged him to that. Yep. Do you guys remember the last time – so we talked about Picnic at Hanging Rock last week. Do you guys remember the music from that? You probably don't. Not really. No, not at all. So Picnic from Hanging it's Rock opens – time music? It's not No, time. God, it's, it's worse than that thing. It opens with all these like language scenes of the girls – and there's like pan flute music playing. It sounds like a stupid like Zamfir commercial. Oh, now you're reminding me. Yeah. And the music is playing, and the credits are rolling, and then it says, "Music by Zamfir." <laughs> <laughs> the guy did the soundtrack for Picnic at Hanging Rock. It's horrible. Ugh. <laughs> um, hmm. it sounds like it could work. Okay, go ahead and check it out. I mean, some people like that silly zither in Third Man, so... Yeah, I like that music. I'm sure you do. Alexander Burns, I'm sorry to say, but you're still free. You were not incarcerated. Sorin Hoogland says, just one pick? It might get me into trouble with the authorities. Good. I'm looking forward Mm. to this. Depending on how abusive they feel like being, he says. All right, Sorin, that's it. You're taunting the law now. Uh... Yeah, yeah, okay, here we go. Thank you, Soren. First of all, you're not in trouble with the law, and I think you're picking up the slack that I thought Dingus would pick up. Here's a quote, Dingus. It's heavy. What is it? The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. See? Tomorrowland. No, it, that's... Come on, how did my impression... That's from Boogie, that's from Boogie Nights. Oh, you guys are terrible. 
Maltese Falcon 1941 and the reveal uh, that the Russian replaced the Falcon with a fake one way before the movie started. So that's, right. I guess, probably fair enough. And all the betrayal right. and murder has been for nothing. Right. I think it is fair to choose for 3x3 three three something that happened either off screen or outside the the timeline of the movie, right? We're okay with that. Right. I think that's fine. I mean, based on what, you know, how we all view what an inciting incident is and all of those things, that's fine. Chris Webb calls this another typical Tom topic. You know, he writes, some of us aren't so obsessed with movies having things like plot and all that. But here's yeah. some words I wrote down, Chris Webb says. <laughs> Kelly Wand, I want to ask you something, and I want you to tell me the truth. Uh-huh. Tell me the truth, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Are you Chris Webb's secret identity? What? Is that what this email makes you think? I don't know. I'm just asking a question, and I find you're protesting quite a bit. Are you being Michael Keaton, Vulture, and I'm Spider-Man? You're I'm actually being like Michael Keaton from me? Jackie Brown. Um, am I really smart enough to be able to run a website for myself? A Twitter page isn't a website it's for people. Yeah. So, the interest yeah, is subterfuge to think of... Okay, all right, Kelly Lund. You've made it Am out. I not week. too lazy to do that? Okay, good point. You know what? See, you got me there. All right. I think that's Tom, the winning. Are, Tom, are you? Uh, yeah, I'm not that. Fu- I'm not nearly that funny. So, but thank you, Dingus. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Chris Webb, I don't know if he's in trouble. I haven't seen this. Says, in the skin I live in... Oh, okay. Do you guys this is my about- favorite email I've ever written you. Hang on. <laughs> Do you guys know about this movie? I mentioned this before it came out, and yeah, then I and saw I'm it. Of our movie, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I should finish the, the what Chris was. In the skin I live in, Antonio Banderas switches a penis into a vagina. Yeah. Like you do. Oh. The movie. Do you guys know uh-huh. about this movie, The Assignment? Do you remember me mentioning this? Because it oh, is I do remember so you not awful. All right, here's a premise. There's a hitman, right? And he's this super cool ladies' man, and he really likes, you know, like, like getting laid and everything. He's into banging chicks and whatnot when he's not murdering people. <laughs> yeah. So this hitman murders someone who is like someone's brother or something. And so this victim's loved one, who's a doctor, kidnaps the hitman and puts him through a sex change operation. So uh, now he's a woman. Hit woman. Yeah. Lost your title. And the doctor is the crazy villain of the movie, played by Sigourney Weaver, and the hit person oh, is right. played by Michelle Rodriguez. No, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But and the funny thing is, when they're trying to make her a man, it's just her with a fake beard on. Like, literally, they glue stubble on her face, and it's still just her. Like, she tries to lower her voice a little bit, but it looks it looks ridiculous. Like Linda Lavin on Alice? She played a guy. <laughs> I do not remember that, that episode, that one. Uh, I missed it. Yeah. She had a... Hey. Uh, if you do want to see Michelle Rodriguez uh, have lesbian sex, though, that's the movie to do it in. It's not lesbian. She's a dude. Well, technically right. She's a dude transferred into a woman, whatever. And she masturbates had... pictures of herself when she's wow. a half. Oh. I, I think would. it should have had Kelly Wan do the voice from... Uh, what's her name? From the life Alicia of... Alicia Bikander. Yeah. yeah. The baby! Uh, do you want to know the real punchline of the assignment? It is directed by Walter Hill. This is what's become uh, of Walter Hill. Oh. Ouch. He was always sliding down. Oh, here's a great one, Chris Webb. Oh, man. I want to change mine now. In the silent partner, uh, dot, 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 
Yeah, uh, I actually don't remember specifics besides Christopher Plummer in a dress. <laughs> <laughs> but there's probably at least one switcheroo, so I'll have Tom help me out. Take it away, sir. That's uh, dressed to kill. He's in a Santa suit. No, nope. He's in a dress. Oh no, he's in a dress. Was one that oh, he's in a starts out in a Santa suit, but then his, right. his, his disguise at the end is to to show up in drag. Yeah. yeah. So no, he goes to get the money, and I I think that uh uh, it's not Michael Caine. Shoot, who's in that movie with him? Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould, right. Right. Speaking of Maltese Falcon from a long good fr- or no, what long kiss goodbye? What's the Robert Altman uh uh detect? Well, shoot, isn't it long kiss goodnight? Long kiss goodbye. One is Rennie Harlan. One is That's Robert Altman. Davis. And then good one is, a- is good night is Rennie Harlan. Okay, and long then there's one that's, the uh, that's Bob Hoskins who gets driven away by the IRA at the end. What's the long good Friday? Isn't it? Okay. That's, That's John Wayne and D-Day. Oops. <laughs> Tough room. All right. Anyway, so let's see. So, yeah, there You're is welcome. a silent partner, but I think it's just Elliot Gould just doesn't give him the money. No, he goes, he goes, wait, stop, you're robbing me. He does the, ob- the obvious. Right, 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 exactly. He sounds the alarm. Yeah. Yeah, and then he, and then he gets shot. It's good times. Uh, and then Chris Webb says he just watched The Prestige for the first time, but he's not picking it. Because Christopher Nolan's Interstellar is a far better movie. <laughs> no. He says, I'm not picking that movie, though, because Chris Nolan really annoys me. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I can understand that. I'm glad He's I see really, why I wrote that, too. He switched dust for gravity. He switched clones for... Uh, Ooh. Finger. Riley oh. Keough is in Soderbergh's next movie called Logan Lucky. Chris Webb is telling me. He's also telling me something about a movie called Good Time. I don't know what that is. Uh, and Catherine Bigelow's Detroit. Anyway, he wrote, I'm looking forward to meeting... Oh, yeah, I dared him to like a ghost story, which is that <laughs> yeah, thing, which is terrible. I told him... Kelly Wan, if you have ever wanted to watch Luna Mari eat pie for 15 minutes... Okay, in I'm in. Week, there you go. Ghost <laughs> it's as long as the chase from uh, Road Warrior. <laughs> Chris Markinson oh, says, here's a few that I like. Number three, the expected delivery. Oh, Markinson, dadgummit. I was even looking at movies. So, it's also got uh, sand in it, her pie. Kelly Wan, that's saying? enough of you. Uh, Markinson wants us to see Dunkirk next week, by the way. I'm slain. I want us to see it, too, but Kelly Wan lives in Germany, and they can't be arsed to show. We only see World War II movies after you. Uh, the expected delivery for Chris Markinson's number three is Olga Kirilenko. The actual <laughs> delivery is a mortally wounded Morgan Freeman and some fuel cells. <laughs> oh, the water one? Bit of a spoiler, but uh, in Oblivion, Tom Cruise is supposed to be delivering Olga Kirilenko to the Tet. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel bad about reading, reading a huge spoiler, but that's what switcheroos are a lot of times. But that's that, a is, great, that is, that is yeah. offensive, yeah. It's, offensive. it's a great choice, though. Go back and watch that movie now. It has never mind. Number two, the expected transmission information on Genesis. What? The actual transmission. Ugh. Lord. Ship prefix code ordering reliant to lower its shields. I love this pick so much. I love this pick so much. I love this pick so much. In Alora. Ra- in Ra- uh, 
In Wrath of Khan, Kirk is supposed to transmit the information on the Genesis project to Khan, but instead he sends the Reliance prefix code, allowing him to lower the Reliance shields. Kelly Wan, why are you making those noises? I'm not. What are you talking about? I just, oh, uh, Chris Chris Markinson is the best. I love this so Chris much. Chris Markinson mentions the actual code. Do you know it? What's the code to lower the Reliance's shield? Uh, I believe it's uh, 90210. Close. 16309. 16309. It's 8675309. Number one, Chris Markinson. Uh, Chris, I am so happy, Chris. You made me so happy. Oh, God. Oh, no. Here's another. Yeah, my favorite movie of last year is a switcheroo that happens to the viewer. Hmm. No, because, yeah, in The Handmaiden, someone's supposed to be betrayed and handed over to a sanitarium, of course. During the scene, mm. there's a switch played on one of the characters, or at least ah. that's what I thought was happening. The truth of it is a little more complicated. Very oh. Well put, Chris. Dang. See? That's who I am. All right, so the only runner-up I had was Maltese Falcon, because I didn't think Dingus was going to pick it. But what else you guys got? Uh, I had Future World. With Peter Fonda and uh, okay. Mission Impossible. Yeah. Here, what do you feel about this, Kelly Wand? In Jackie Brown, uh, you know, Bridget Fonda plays Mel and Robert De Niro plays Lewis. And Ooh, it's they a spot. sit around yeah. getting stuff. Right. <laughs> this is a review of Sex with Bridget Fonda. That's, that's their post-coital talk, exactly. Uh, that's what I'd say. They sit around watching TV, right, and just getting yeah. stoned. Um, mm-hmm. But on that date? Uh, one of the things that comes on TV is Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Who stars in that movie, Kelly Wand? Uh, Peter Fonda. Stop right here. Who is in the room watching that movie? What actress? Playing Dame Melanie. Fonda. It's Bridget Wait, Fonda which... watching a Peter Fonda movie. Oh, yeah. That's across the streams. That's like that awful scene. Well, it's like that awful scene in Near Dark where they walk past a, a theater marquee playing aliens. Mm-hmm. Or know. in Spider-Man when they say, uh, I want to join the Avengers. No, that what? <laughs> no, nothing like that. No. Uh, uh, when they go, America, Captain America's a criminal. Let's kill him. Is there a switcheroo in It Follows? Uh, well, the the monster switching, <laughs> right, right, like for the monster, right, like is yeah. that would that it's work? Because it's, <laughs> it's constantly like, oh god, again, oh yeah. another one. <laughs> I really want to know the woman who pees herself story, and it follows that it turns into <laughs> her, the one where uh, pretty boy's mom. Oh no, it kills the pretty boy. If you're not careful, Kelly Wan, the Russians are going to assemble a dossier on you, and they're going to include that comment. Yep. I don't want them – well, my P-tape's already a uh, public domain. It's on my <laughs> – uh, Okay, if we have no other runner-ups – I, I had one that I was trying to – I totally forgot the one that Markinson brought up because uh, I thought of another one from uh, Wrath of Khan. Which oh, God. Here we go. Him, uh, oh, I know. Kirk. Is it switching Benedict Cumberdat- Cumberbatch? Cumber- for uh, for Sherlock Fantasy Holmes. Island guy, hmm. Fantasy Island guy, <laughs> switching Sherlock Holmes for Fantasy Island. I'm trying not, to figure that. Yeah. <laughs> the one who's not Hervé Villachez. 
Wow. Oh, I get it now. I actually thought there was a Fantasy Island movie for half a second with Benedict Cumberbatch, and I'm like, oh, Tom didn't tell me that happened? Fuck. I would love to hear him say those words. No, it was... It was Kirk switching hours for days, um, but it was more of a lie than a switcheroo, and I think That's Chris's not, is much better. Kind of a mathematical error, like when JPL screwed up meters and feet, and one of those or, Marv rovers just not came an, into the planet. It's not an error, it's a code. He's, he's giving code when he says, if hours were like days, as if we went by the book, as Lieutenant Savick says, hours Beggars would ride. Like uh, and he says he, he he switches hours for days, so it's a little bit of a switcheroo, but it's a verbal switcheroo. So it wasn't quite as strong. I love Chris's though. Chris's I didn't even think of. That's great. When you think about it, a code is basically just switching something that makes sense for something that doesn't make sense, kind of, or that doesn't look like it makes sense. Yeah. It, but it's basically also just lying, but telling somebody uh, 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 carefully that you're lying. What I would like to now switch out is this discussion for Kelly Wand telling us what is next week's 3x3, what movie will we see, and uh, maybe give the listeners some emails that might be relevant. Oh! (laughs) Well, Tom's favorite part of Spider-Man Homecoming, as he made a big point of describing during his gibberish, was uh, (laughs) when... um, Peter kept calling, or no, when Chunk kept calling Peter constantly, and he had that funny ringtone that was like a cowboy song. So, this is your three best ringtones in movies. Oh, good lord, really? You're welcome. If you have <laughs> ideas on how that could possibly fill out a whole list of three, send your choices to 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. And I probably will read them, but I don't expect a lot of turnout. So, Maltese Falcon. And, uh, yeah, this, this topic's kind of a Maltese Falcon. And uh, next week we'll be seeing, since Planet of the Apes isn't playing in Germany yet, uh, we'll be seeing the motion picture Valerian Planet of a Million Things. <laughs> Yeah, you like this tip about this movie that aren't related to ringtones? Send your thoughts, and you remember you have to have thoughts on the movie. One thought or more. Two three x three at quarter to three dot com, and Dingus will forget to read them in time. <laughs> yep. Uh, make sure to get those to us before midnight Pacific time on uh, Sunday, July twenty third. And we'll make them a part of the podcast. I could have so, done that. Oh, the day if I'd asked you, Kelly Wan, what's the date deadline? You would have had that at your fingertips. You would have known the date. Yeah, August twenty seventh. Sure. <laughs> so join us for a Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets podcast, as well as a discussion of ringtones in movies. Check. Oh. I've been here with Christian Matonsky. It's Christian Moroski. And Kelly Wand. My favorite switcher is the Star Wars prequels with the original Star Wars movies. Also, when Loki pretended to be Mystique. What I tell you about ringing the bell for comedic purposes? <laughs>
See, Spider-Man uh, uh, Homecoming was funny. See, I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make. Uh, my favorite switcher is when Vin Diesel uh, switched uh, from Triple X uh, to make that cop movie, Man Apart, where he looks depressed and then came back. I love you. Well, was it Larby enough? <laughs> Pretty Larby. I thought she was saying lar- LARP. LARP. It's LARP? It's, it's Thai food. I LARP you. It's a Thai food joke. It is? I thought it was a nerd joke. You're the smartest guy I've ever met. 